Welcome to yet another episode of the Crash Chords Podcast. I, of course, am Stormageddon. I'm John. I am Steve. What did you say your name was again? Let's just go back to that. I'm going to harp on that point. You don't have to harp. I've been talking to you. Wait, you don't we have, have a harp? harp? You have a harp? I do have a harp. No, I don't. I wish I had a harp, too. They're awesome. It's the vertical piano. It's a, it, but that would be a really hard piano. And it's shaped like, very similarly. Triangularly, Yes. No, it's it's shaped with the very, curves and well, yeah, with yes. the curve, it, you can't really. I mean, that's a very complex geometric form. You can't just say triangle. That's like a serious, serious reduction. Yes, but I'm okay with serious reductions. Anyway, back to uh, this stranger doing the podcast with us right now. Yeah, Storma, what's it? Stormageddon. You you can. You're not that dumb. He's a well. He might be. Oh, that's right. uh, it depends on the day. What is Stormageddon? So, um, as the listeners may or may not recall or know, um, I've been doing DJing for burlesque and some private parties for a while now, um, coming on four years. And it occurred to me after doing the Nerd Less Fest very recently, and they put an article up about me referring to me as DJ Stormageddon, which is what I go by in the burlesque community, that I don't actually have a page for that on Facebook, and I don't have a way to reach me for DJ gigs, which I thought was not a great idea. So I created a, a... a public Facebook page that you can like and follow me on for my gigs. Um, I linked it also to the podcast here, putting that I'm a podcast and DJ in New York City, podcaster and DJ in New York City. And so I figured also here I will go by the same name that I've kind of been dubbed in burlesque because that way we can have some synergy. And if I get some burlesquers to like the podcast, some podcasters to come out to my burlesque shows, it's a win-win. So, so essentially you created a fourth version of yourself, your work self, your podcast self. hmm your home self. Your home self, of course. There's, pers- there's the a plain old Matt Storm. And my... DJ self. DJ self, yeah. Well, considering also I manage... Is that too many? Comment in this web zone <laughs> if you think it is too right, many. Right? Yeah, comment on this episode. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an attempt to encourage people to check out all of the stuff that I'm doing, because I'm doing quite a bit, just like Steve has been promoting Classical Light. I figured it's about time I had a professional page for my burlesque DJing so people can hire me to do more shows, because I already work for Wasabasco. I used to work for Raw Burlesque. I work for the Pink Room Burlesque, which Schaefer hosts a lot, and Rabbit Hole Productions, which... Schaefer's girlfriend, um, Bunny Buxom, is the producer for. So, um, yep, yeah, you can check me out on Facebook. It is facebook.com slash um, DJ Stormageddon NYC. So go ahead, check it out, give it a like. Go check them out. <laughs> and and just for future clarifications, because it's going to come up, we're going to interchangeably be using both Matt Storm and Stormageddon sure. as his name until we they, get into the whole groove of, of... I mean, you can refer to me as Storm, but yeah, Stormageddon is what I'm going to go by. Honestly, it's mostly just for the synergy. This is tiresome already. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, he's actually merging two personalities into one. The podcast personality with the Stormageddon DJ personality. Personality over here. Yes. And it's used mainly so you can promote the podcast within your DJ zone. Yeah. I mean, I would want, I've already been doing that at the Nerdless Fest. I did hand out business cards for the podcast, and so I feel like I want to keep cross-promoting that. Gotcha. Otherwise, you would just say, Matt Storm here, and you wouldn't even bother bringing that world over to this world. Right. 
fine. But we've also had a, a ton of burlesquers on the show or burlesque adjacent adjacent people. Like, I mean, Nasty's in burlesque, Kita is in burlesque, Hazel's in burlesque, and then uh, Matt Holtzclaw's burlesque adjacent. So they've already been merged since, like, episode 35? <laughs> Pretty much. Right. I just haven't actually acknowledged it. Fair enough. Uh, well, since you mentioned the classical light thing, I did do something this week. Uh, last Tuesday, April 5th, I went and saw American Classical Orchestra, as I have many times now. But this is getting toward the end of their season, and they were with choir this time. Actually, they've been with choir a couple times, but this time it was in the St. Ignatius of Antioch Church. I noticed, this is a little aside, but I noticed that many of uh, the concerts that I've reviewed within like the classical era, specifically that whole like 1750 to 1820-ish era, a lot of it is is built around church music that isn't Catholic at all. It's mostly Episcopal, which is in the tradition of the Church of England, which I find a lot more colorful than I do pretty much anything that was done within the Catholic zone. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but uh, they they did not have their act together when it came to music and when it came to hymns. That's really cool. Like I don't know. I I, I often <laughs> think of well, I often think of most religious related music as just that related to the religion it's kind of tied to. But it would be very like plain if it were yeah. done in like a Catholic church. It'd be very just, you know, by the numbers, you know, very rote, as John would say. But in the Episcopal <laughs> tradition, in the Anglican tradition, actually, over here it's Episcopal, but over there it's Anglican, uh, there's a very rich choir school, which is, it's, it's, it was in-depth. They would hire uh, professional composers to write amazing works for them, and uh, it's not something that I've uh, witnessed before doing this. Well, it's like, I've always found it interesting. Um, there's um, a temple and a group in, in Brooklyn called Alt Shul, and it's, it's, Judaism and it's it's Jewish. I don't I don't think it's orthodox. I think it's a, a step to the looser side. Um, if you're Jewish and I'm mispronouncing, or my wife's the daughter of a rabbi, it's fine. I can get away with this. Anyway, but no. So what's really interesting is like we had our our ufruf, which is a ceremony you do before the wedding, at 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 um, Altshul. They hosted us, and their singing there is very different from just standard. Uh, you know, praying and singing in most Judaism. There's a lot of banging on tables and banging on seats and right. like percussion and rhythm and like it feels very new school, very kind of fresh. They and it's update interesting. themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just really interesting. It, it engages you. It makes you want to sing along even if you don't really know the word. And it takes a long time for the Catholic Church to update itself. But it's nice to hear that at least the Anglican Church was updating itself as of, you know, 1750. So I guess I should say the the pieces that I saw. I saw um, uh, Cromer's Concerto for Two Clarinets, and then after that I saw Mozart's short piece uh, called the Ave Verum Corpus, and then finally his uh, Horn Concerto, number four, followed by a nice intermission and then uh, the the signature piece of the night, um, Michael Haydn's Requiem, a, a, a composer who is actually Joseph Haydn's brother, who's a guy you don't really hear from too much. So, uh, yeah, that was a pretty incredible experience. And now I've heard it in the St. Ignatius of Antioch Church instead of just the St. Thomas Church, which I heard the last one in, which is a slightly larger, larger church, but actually I, I thought it was... You brought uh, up the previous one on the podcast. Yeah, that was uh, the Handel's Messiah back right. in December. So, uh, yeah, interesting That's experience. That's the one that you pissed off the rich folk, didn't you? Oh, did I? Yeah, I believe so. Or I but believe what? you're pretending to piss off the rich folk. Oh, maybe because I was scribbling in, like, the front yeah. two rows. Yeah, in the really good seats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't scribble in the front two seats. You just sit and, and, and stoically and enjoy the music. No, 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 no. You're there to write a review. You, you scribble notes. I scribble a lot. So oh, that's the, true. You're a scribbler. I do. Yeah. We can call you the scribbler. That's your no. superhero name. I like that. The Scribbler? I like that. Stormageddon and the Scribbler? Uh, that, that I really sound like a lame sidekick. <laughs> right? I don't like you this do. at all. You do sound like my lame sidekick. Well, uh, art reflecting life. Aww. Aww. 
Anyway, um, I think this is a good point, uh, all ridiculousness aside, to get to our album this week, which Sean Pritt picked. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about this thing that was bound to happen for aeons at this point. Or eons? Eons. A- eons. Eons. Aeons. Aeons something different. If and I... feel free to jab Matt at any point. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, great. Well, we're not going to quite put the ridiculousness to the side, because what we're dealing with today is kawaii metal. Or that's at least what it's known as now. It's originally an amalgamation between heavy metal and J-pop idol work, which is their version of their mainstream pop line. What we have here is baby metal. Now, baby metal is something I kind of found a few years back and didn't really get into it because it was also a part where I was picking a lot of really good albums or really interesting ones as well. And I kind of didn't get the chance to do them. And on April 1st, and I thought it was an April Fool's at first because someone linked it to me. On April 1st, it was announced, Baby Metal, new album, Metal Resistance. Sounds like an upgrade in an RPG. Like, I I increased my metal resistance. A little bit. But uh, anyway, Baby Metal is sort of the front uh, front runners for the new genre itself, for this this newer Kawaii metal. Kawaii metal. Cute metal. Yeah, exactly. Cute, Cute hardcore. Yeah. Really dainty, delicate hardcore. Well, that's, I guess, the best way to actually describe what Kawaii Metal is. It's the combination of heavy metal riffs, heavy metal backbone, with a lot of what you are normally expecting from pop. A lot of pop melodies in the vocals, a lot of uh, pop nods in the actual rhythm section or in an instrumentation section or something like that, as well as a leaning in the lyrical sections where uh, female vocalists tend to sing about not Satan, death, or anything that gets <laughs> normally attributed to metal. But, lo- but love and bringing yourself up by which, bootstraps. Actually, yes. That, that Very it, uplifting stuff. Which you, say, is not, you say it sarcastically, but it is true. But that's not, I know. Well, I'm a bitter person. So. It's not super foreign in metal. Bands like Sonata Arctica and him who are kind of on the outskirts of metal, these are bands who have done stuff about love and, and romance and uplifting and heartbreak, like Makes more sick, sensitive stuff. Makes you sick. Eh, yeah. I loved Sonata Arctica. I think the, th- and the interesting thing about this kind of metal, and it's where I kind of connected to a lot of Euro metal bands that I used to listen to uh, previously, I haven't listened to as much lately, is that it's the way that the kind of speed and heavy metal goes with this kind of melodic singing that a- adds an air of lightness or sensitivity. That's really interesting, and I think that this, at least at moments for sure, has that. And I think it's a really cool mix of stuff. I think, yeah, the the contrast was pretty much, it was written in the genre, it's written in their band name, Baby Metal itself, but also, you know, the ages of the of the girls uh, at play here. We're talking about three teenage girls, two are 16, and one is, uh, I believe, 18. And their names are Sue Metal. Yui Metal and Moa Metal. But they're not the instrument players, they are merely the pop idols, which directly conflict with the actual metal performers in the background, which seems to be a separate group, or at least they've done separate things outside of simply this project. And they have a name called Kami Band. Uh, the Full Metal Band, if I'm not mistaken, nope. is one of their other names. Yeah, they and that's are, a group of like seven members. Yeah, and they weren't originally the live performance people. Uh, actually, originally, if I'm not mistaken, it was sort of like a faux band that would back up Baby Metal while they were on their live performances and things like that. But they, they shouldn't be just like swept under the rug because they are a core component of this metal of this of this album. They make it what it is. Yeah, Kami Metal themselves are just a straight up metal band working with. Uh, these three ladies to make music and they kind of it was it was a sneaky thing they, they eventually just started replacing 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 until all of a sudden Kami Metal was the ones making the music 
I picture a bunch of gruff people on stage that have to just I kind of sit in the like background and do their thing. Like uh, Death Clock in the background behind Baby behind Metal. this this these these three teenage girls. It's yeah. it's a weird contrast, but it seems all like the joke was written from the get go. Right, and I don't even think it's at this point considered a joke. Like I think it's just this is what they're doing. Like it's this an initial it's an initial shtick, I guess. But you know, once you get past that. There's some. There's a lot of talent here and some interesting stuff. Sure. And but I think it's the eyebrow raise that the initial thing is supposed to make happen, and then every transition from like verse to chorus that yeah. ends up, you know, introducing the polar opposite tone and and timbre of what you just had. Um, shall we begin? Yeah. Let's jump right into the first track, "Road of Resistance" on Metal Resistance. Um, and so. You know, when the when this track starts, the instrumentation that we get here, the guitar, the drums, you know, this kind of fast-paced sound is it, more or less exactly what I would expect from a lot of Eurometal acts and a lot of the more modern metal bands that I've listened to. So I like what I'm hearing so far. It's, you know, the guitar and drum work is is... You know, definitely faster and more intricate than what we've been getting on albums recently. It's faster and it's intricate, but I should also say that it's it's not as if there is a complete separation here for me yeah. of, of the pop side and the metal side. I mean, of course you can have lots of pop brands of metal anyway. You don't have to go this specific kawaii metal route in order to achieve it. Sure. And now that before we've even had any vocalists, I mean, what you're getting here is a pretty basic four chord progression. Sure. It's, it's minor one, major six, major three, major seven. It, it's, it's this four chord progression that embodies everything battle-oriented and strife-oriented. It's mm -hmm. full of empowerment. Um, it's like it's trying to embolden you every step of the way. But this is also a lot of songs. This is, yeah. I mean, this is Poker Face. This is Adele's Hello. This is Cranberry's Zombie. This is Beyonce's If I Were a Boy. It's also, incidentally, it's The Lonely Islands I Just Had Sex. <laughs> it's an interesting, like... It's it's a, it's generic in its way, and it would be very plain if it wasn't for the fact that the talents behind this, the the shredding, the sheer speed, is at Dragon Force level. You yeah. know, bands that are almost out of the mainstream simply because I feel some people can't process the the uh, the wrist action at yeah. play. And it's not just the speed though, but the actual pacing that's done in it because it's it's not just straight up just hitting drums as fast as humanly possible. It's putting in pauses there that are actually very pointed, very well done to to keep it from becoming just a solid drone, just a solid white noise. These little pauses, these little like hiccups are are actually quite impactful for an introduction. Yeah, and there's also a reason these kind of chord progressions uh, exist and it's the reason they last and last throughout the ages because they afford band members the chance to really get good at soloing over them, which is why you keep seeing them return in pop song after pop song. So while this is not so far not bombarding me like uh, in a new aesthetic in, in the slightest, I mean their, their entire shtick essentially is pastiche. They're, they're yeah. working within the confines of styles that already exist, but it still is chock full of energy. Well yeah, especially once we get to like 55 seconds, it goes from being fast metal to speed metal. Like the guitar takes off like a, like a plane going off a runway. It just really kicks into high gear. And what I like about this is that with a lot of uh, uh, speed guitar playing, you could lose a lot of the intricacy. But here, you can really hear a lot of it. The way it's mixed, the drums help push forward the guitar work. And you really can follow along with this you can crazy this craziness. I agree with that. But the interesting thing is that once the vocals really started, I had a hard time following along with that. Mm. Um, well, actually, that's not the way to put it. Not that I had a hard time following along with it, but, like, they're there, they do their melodic thing, but it doesn't seem... 
ironically enough, it doesn't seem as if the spotlight is really on them in mixing. Yeah. Like, they kind of get drowned out a little bit by the music. I mean, it's, it's, it's not track, like it's hard yeah. to follow, because it's very direct melodies. They all pretty much sing in tandem. Yeah. But yet the mixing doesn't really put them at, in, in the forefront. They're not the idols that they would be made out to be. But in this track, I don't mind that, because I feel like their blend of vocals with the instrumentation work really well together, to the point where I don't even get a real um, in-your-face pop sensibility or K-pop sensibility, not K-pop, I'm sorry, J-pop sensibility that you would normally get from something like you would expect from this. Here, it feels like more just really pretty, you know, kind of free-flowing singing yeah. that's flowing with the guitar work, which which I really liked, but was interesting to me because I've heard that before. And maybe it's just the problem of a, a mixing question, yeah. period, because honestly, when everything is trying to be loud, 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 you, you have to you have to pull something back. Yeah. Something has to step back. Can't put back. everything and it might to as, 11. In this case, it might as well be the vocals, because if the vocals are pretty clear-cut anyway, then, you know, they don't really have to be the loudest thing there. Sure. The whole effect at the end of the day is that everything is really undistinguished. It doesn't really stand out in one way, shape, or another. It just kind of washes over you. I really wasn't feeling this first track, and it was a little bit of a letdown because while there was obvious technical talent going on here, the vocals were technically astute, but they weren't particularly mind-blowing. Well, the instrumentation was very rapid, and I believe they actually have two drummers for a lot of this stuff. It wasn't mind-blowing. It wasn't, oh, that's so evocative and provocative. I'm well, that's, not really that's kind of my it. point. It just... like, because you're trading, you know, one thing for the other, I feel like maybe one thing isn't shining through over the other. Maybe. I think here, specifically, the style of singing, like, it reminded me of bands like Nightwish and, and Within Temptation, who are, you know, metal bands, predominantly Euro metal bands, that have female-fronted acts and that do this kind of singing. And so it just, it felt too kind of average metal to me to really think that this was baby metal considering all the things I had heard. Like I was looking for stuttered speaking, maybe sort of fast talking or, or pop singing more, something more kind of in your face and this just didn't feel as in your face. We do kind of change around the instrumentation though, or not, yeah. not the, the instruments themselves, but it, they're constantly messing with the backdrop, usually uh, from rhythmic changes, not straight up time yeah. signature changes, but we go double time on, on one iteration of the verse, we sometimes step it up and, and uh, do more of like a little strut thing on another iteration of the verse or in the choruses. It's, it's, very, it's very dynamic, but yet at the same time there still is that slight whitewashed quality that, I don't know, maybe I am feeling a little bit more so than you. Like, in the yeah. very beginning, it's sure, you can pick out individual instruments. It's not that that really becomes a no, problem I later agree, in the yeah. album, but I think maybe it's because of the direct competition between that and a very direct but yet not highly mixed melody. As strange a point as this is coming out to, to sound, I think that's, that's uh, not allowing me to completely immerse myself in one component, which sometimes you need to do because that's... that's that's the essence of, of letting the track or letting the album as a whole breathe. No, I agree. I, I think earlier on I was really impressed with everything, but I, I have in my notes later on that things do kind of get a little lost in the mix. It just does start to feel like a mishmash of metal, which isn't necessarily bad per se, but you know, you want to pick out some interesting stuff, especially in metal because there's so much 
flourishes and, and kind of things that are supposed to step forward. Well, like, for instance, let's take the obvious here. Uh, they're, they're singing in Japanese, and for once, we've talked about this a few times before, how, you know, you're listening to, to a foreign language that you don't understand. If you're not fluent, then it might wash over you as instrumentation would. But honestly, the fact that this is in Japanese is kind of a non-entity because of the fact that the way it's phrased, the way it's it's uh, supported by the backdrop here, I feel like this would just wash over me even if it were English. Yeah. Think about it. If this, would, if this was just a regular um, American, I guess, hardcore, or uh, let's say it's a Euro metal band, yeah. like you compared this to, then I feel like even if they were singing English lyrics, they, it would just come across to me as kind of a, a, a vague whitewash, where the focus is not that, and not even the, the subject, the, the, the theme of the song, but rather of the intensity. Yeah. No, I, I would agree completely. I, I got that a sense of that here. I think that um, the next track, Karate, did at least a little more to step forward and, and feel different. The intro track here just kind of was a metal track, which wasn't bad, but I agree. It kind of became just a kind of ubiquitous sound that was enjoyable but not original. There were a few moments to it. I sure. mean, like, there's a couple of courtesy uh, moments where you do Solos strip the, white, stuff, the yeah. whitewash completely and, and it, you're back to the vocals being extremely close and they tried to, like, modulate at the end of this, but they didn't really turn the track into much of anything. It was, um, it was just a high energy. It, it sets you up probably for what most of the album is going to be, but not, it, not entirely. It's not a terrible intro track, I feel. As far as expectations go, it's not awful. It's just you know, I think we were all expecting something a little bit different. Well, also because of the Japanese lyrics, let's face it, it kind of sounds like the beginning to one too many animes. That's true. From I mean, science fiction animes, yeah, I've heard of a couple of, yeah. Sometimes. It seems like a lot of this style is starting to permeate into the art form itself. Or not. Or not. Because I've seen a lot of animes where actually it's just like, the, maybe this intro wouldn't even hint at the tone of the anime at all. At all, yeah. Like, you get this high-intensity introduction, and then suddenly it cuts away to a field of cherry blossoms. Right. And there's just, like, a girl picking posies. <laughs> and this very, like, pared down. And, and in no episode. You're describing Samurai Shampoo. Right uh, pretty there. much, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's the identical start of an anime I've seen before. Yes. Um, uh, though, though with jazz and hip-hop as opposed to heavy metal. Right. Yeah. Um, let's move on to track two, which I mentioned previously. Karate. If it matters to you, it's all in capital letters because we're an audio medium. Um, now, now, in this track, what we get here is straight-up wicked drums. After a well, fuzzy... Even, even before the drums, the guitar comes in right away with them, and we get this kind of grindy feel that a lot of... It's more fuzzy to clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that is done pretty often. It's that dialing-in effect that mm -hmm. a lot of... Well, just music tends to use. Right. Um, but as soon as everything clears up, the the drums that come in, and I love the, the speed versus pacing of the previous track, mm -hmm. this... A lot of stutters, a lot of textures. Yeah. This is really Guitars, nice. the drums, they both take their moments and kind of stutter between every flourish, which makes it stand out. I feel like if the guitars would, instead of just going back to a certain riff here and there, if they just expanded and tried to be a little, just a little more individualistic, this would almost breach into Godstick's territory. I agree. I think that the guitar playing quality is absolutely in that vein. Like, even if the intricacies and the uniqueness may not hit Godstick standards, I feel like the talent is definitely there. It's, you know, we're getting a quality of guitar playing here that 
makes me pay attention. It doesn't just feel like a rock guitar that's ubiquitous. Which is weird because I'm almost ignoring the guitar itself just for the percussion line. The, per the drums are really good here because what it's interesting is that not just the speed the drums are playing at pretty early on in this track, but just where it stops and where the drum rolls happen. It just It's creating this chain of drumming that almost feels like you would need a spider playing the drums with eight arms or Doc Ock from from uh, Spider-Man to be playing playing all of these notes because it's just there's so much which is why Comedy Metal actually has two drummers and right. four guitarists not looking them up <laughs> here though we're also getting a lot more difference between the vocal styles uh -huh. of the verses and the choruses now the verses are more rising ballads uh, the vocal inflection, it seems to be less adherent to the music itself as opposed to the choruses. The chorus is really uh, marrying the pop influences of these vocals to the overall melody itself. Uh, a lot more worrying about the inflection as it goes along the, the scale, a lot more harmonizing as opposed to the more standout-ish verse work, the more just rising tones and... and, and belting lyrics of the verse work. It just feels more playful this time around. There's the previous track, uh, Steven mentioned, it did kind of fade into the mix and it just didn't kind of stand out. Here, at least because they're playing with the verse a little bit, you're getting a sense of personality here, whereas in the first track there was less of that, I feel. Well, let's even compare a little bit of the lyrics here, because of course we're looking at translations, we don't have the Japanese, and it wouldn't, well, if I read the Japanese, first of all, I'd butcher it, and secondly, it wouldn't really help us. Um, the first track, here's one reason why the first track's lyrics were, I, I compared as a whitewash, because even the lyrics feel like the kind of thing that if they were sung in English, as I will now read them, they would be a whitewash as well. The light of a beacon that colors the eastern sky crimson is a new signpost that tells the end of the dark solitude. Had you heard? It's kind of poetic. I, it's it's po absolutely poetic. But if you had heard that I, in in the first track, because that's remember from the first track, it's not from this track. Right. Then you would just think like, oh well, it's more like th that's that's using the language itself right. as a kind of instrument. Sure. That's, that's all color and, and pomp in a way. But yeah. here in 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 this track, it it's it's a little more playful, like you said, with this uh, which we don't have translation for, may not be anything. This the seya se 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 seya, and then it kind of it's both. Uh, vocals split between both ears here so it's kind of trying to hypnotize you in the beginning here and then it's echoed by even if tears spill from our eyes uh, let's confront it single-mindedly say a say a, a let's fight on with our fists more with our spirits more with making all sharper it's a little bit more it, it, it's like it's trying to take the grandness of the first track and just compress it a little more be a little bit more direct um, it's it's still vague because you don't know what the exact story is but at least there's more of a mission here instead of just painting the backdrop I think also what's unique about this song is, well, we had some impressive solos in the previous track. Here we get an, an honest-to-goodness interlude that feels different. Like, you were hinting at God Sticks a little bit, and here I think in that interlude is where we get the closest, because this instrumentation, you said yourself, feels very post-rock, and it, it just stood out a yeah, bit. This was around 2 minutes 30 seconds, and it was it was really a big transition because it, it, it steps out of the, the, the J-pop style that we're hearing. It steps out of the metal style. It's, it was more of a, like, a maybe a poppy post-rock thing, like something that I might hear out of Scale the Summit uh, during one of their little transitions. Um, even if the guitars picked a pattern that is a little bit more atmospheric instead of, you know, really developing it, uh, it still was a really nice place 
to be for the the short uh, duration that it lasted. But it it felt like such a, a an earnest transition. Like I wanted this to expand into something. We do eventually go back to the next chorus, but it, it was just a wonderful moment here that showed me they're not all you know A and B. Yeah. They have other other inclinations. But this slow build in the bridge, and I do enjoy the build, it didn't feel like it was 100% married to the individual song. It felt... Generic is not quite the right word, because this wouldn't have worked in a lot of different areas, but the feelings it was pr producing were pretty much kind of par for the course. Uh, when the drums step in, when the next layer of the drums step in, when the guitar steps back in, everything felt like it was preordained in a lot of ways. I didn't feel like it was actually shaking up the style of this transition. Like, that itself I mean, yeah, was a little bit disheartening. I guess. I mean, I, I will agree that the outro of this track felt very cliche, but I agree, too. The transition back to the chorus was, before we get to the outro, did did kind of repeat on itself. But then again, this song had still been more engaging and more interesting than the previous track, so and I'm willing shows, to let it slide a little bit. It shows a lot more influence of the Kawaii idea yeah. in this album that the first track, and that's why really where I, I want to harp on how much I did not really enjoy the first track. It felt like pure metal. This feels like something different, at least. Well, it's it, it's more of a direct uplifting message anyway. Like I said, with the lyrics, it's uh, Seiya, seiya, let's fight on even if we get sad and are unable to stand up. Um, that's a good message. <laughs> and, uh, well, there you, at least now you know the, why it's entitled Karate. Because um, it's simply a metaphor for fighting life. That, taking it by the bullhorns. Yeah. Straight on. I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I just, um, I, I almost wish they had explored the breath a little more. Because, well, everyone can't always be that person. Can't always just fight everything. And, and fight and fight I mean, and fight. That... We're not Dragon Force here. <laughs> no. um, and it's like they had that one transition to show that there are breath marks even in your trying to confront life head on. No, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, the outro was cliche for the same reason, I feel like. Because, you know, it winds down completely and then we get these howling vocals that are kind of... They could be saying words, but again, I don't really speak the language, so I don't know. But it just sounds like this... Ha howling sound of vocals and then some piano work and it's just Okay, I liked the piano work. The piano actually. work was nice, but it's just it's I've heard so many heavy yeah. songs do that, like kind of lighten it at the Reverb end. saturated yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Um but yet the drums were probably my favorite part of this entire track. I agree. I know I kind of we're... jumping around here, but <laughs> the drums are the drums are amazing. They're they're I want to like I, I want said, to hear spider just those playing drums. drums. Yeah, and that actually becomes a major theme for me in this album. The drums themselves, the percussion itself is oh, just incredible. so magical. It comes to the point that whenever it. they stop, then you're just you feel like there was a little bit of a hiccup there. It affects yeah. you deep down inside it because you too because you're hearing so much stuff. Your adrenaline is yeah. up when they're playing and then when they're not, it's like, "Oh, I'm left alone." Okay, so let's go to track 3, Awadama Fever. Which also introduces something a little bit different because in the beginning here it was just a little bit more electronic. It wasn't all yeah. rock. There was something going in. It was a, a little drum sequence, but it sounded more like a like a beatbox, like a synth that would come out of Square Pusher, like in the '90s. It was actually pretty interesting. It didn't didn't last around too long because it transitioned straight into the guitars, which are then accented by these little triplets. And it's uh, it was a good blend, though. I felt like the transition was very really interesting. Yeah. And the the actual, what it turns into, does still retain some of that synth idea, some of that uh, almost dubstepy idea in it. Except that when the vocals come in, it's back to the 
kawaii thing because they're they're just they're adorable oh, they are, at this they're point. They're amazingly bright on top of everything yes. else. On top mm-hmm. of the 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 deep distorted guitar, the really grumbly. You know, the guitar itself sounds like it's been smoking for like 40, 50 years. It's got that <laughs> yeah. kind of a level. It's a very of grumble with it. It's a very consistent like just trudge. But everything, a lot of other things are happening around it. But I, I enjoyed this song better because of that guitar line. The fact that, ironically, the fact that you have one instrument that is pretty much doing the same thing. It's providing kind of this this trudge, this drone uh, blow, and, and everything else just happens around it. It does serve to focus you more so than if everything was constantly, you know, trying to become the spotlight. No, I definitely like the mix in this track, I think, better than even the previous two, and I liked Karate quite a bit. Um, I think also there's a much bigger difference between the verses and the chorus here. There was some in the previous track, but here I'm getting a real sense of the range of their singing and the character of their singing, which I really like. Well, it's the timbre itself that really undergoes the major shift. Because otherwise, the verses uh, separately and the choruses separately really don't change much in and of themselves. They're very steady, very just straight going to go through, going to keep doing the same thing in the in the choruses at least. It, it does help accent what they're doing vocally or maybe vice versa. Maybe they're working off of what the guitar work's doing just to keep that rising scale, you know, nice and coherent and tight. But there's not a whole lot going on if they're singing, if there's vocals, there's just not not much at all going on different. Well, it's, it's just, just a lot it's of repetitive. Excruciatingly positive at times. Yeah. I mean, if we open the if we open the secret window, we can fly off anywhere. It's a mint flavored time machine. We can go anywhere. Bubble 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 ball fever. Bubble 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 ball fever. And that's essentially uh, the chorus. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe the chorus is ah uh, yeah fly off choo 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 chewing gum. It's well, just... it's a choo piece. Uh, pre-chorus chorus setup going on here. Um, but they are, I'm not really sure. I can't tell. They go through the same thing uh, in and of themselves, chorus-wise, as far as music is concerned. And it, it's... It's very positive. It's it, very it's, positive. And it's something, honestly, I don't know how well I'm enjoying it with the backdrop of I that grumble guitar. I, I don't like I don't like it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's too separate for me from where the verses were at. I, I liked the guitar in the verses. It, it's, it sets it up to be... Not quite a terrifying track, but the at the very beginning, at least, you feel like there's going to be a, a little bit of fear. There's something is a little bit on edge, and then all of a sudden, it's it's completely stripped that away in the choruses. And I think uh, that's where we're back to what I initially termed as the joke. I mean, again, I think that's intentional, but I agree. It does. It is a little jarring. It does throw you a bit. I think. As a whole, though, this song is doing more to at least show personality within the singers. They're they're at the forefront and they're giving you like a character to follow. And even if I don't understand the lyrics, because obviously, as we said, these are translations we found. We have no idea how accurate they actually are. Um, so if you're Japanese and you listen to our podcast, please let us know. Um, I think that for sure, though, it's I'm at least more engaged, even if. It's throwing me out a little bit because in the courses because there's character in the courses and the verse. I just like what the vocals are doing as a whole better here than previous. All right, times. I'll agree with that. There's character there, and and also it's I like the uh, the background singers harmonizing uh, mm-hmm. with the the primary vocalist. I like these little response, these little echoes, which I believe is actually at the end there. Ah, oh, yeah, fly off, choo 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 chewing gum. Oh yeah, <laughs> you hear oh yeah at the end there. And it, I know reading the lyrics is not gonna it's, it's not gonna come across, but if you listen, it's a, they picked one little note there which actually kind of put in this little sad tone toward the end of the choruses, which I just liked by contrast. I'm not sure how much the the entirety 
of the song is really doing for me, but we do get we do get some more transitions. Like we get a transition where it starts feeling very fast and very very muffled, kind of back to the the, the square pusher thing in the beginning, and then that little grungy interlude with, with the electronic pulses. There's Check actually a all. lot. There's actually a lot going on, and we may be descri- describing this very disjointed as if it were completely sectional and they had nothing to do with each other, as if it was full of weird transitions. But that's really not the case. Yeah. This whole track flows very naturally. Um, even when it steps it up into double time, it just feels like the the the, the music probably was written first, and then the uh, the vocals were tied to it a hundred percent, and they're owning each and every step of the transitions. I just don't know how I feel about the track. Well, that's what I was saying earlier in the track. I really, I just, I get tired of the repetitiveness. It was a lot of full force just going on and on with this song. And even when the instrumental does step in, it's it's a repetitive uh, four-bar riff that just happens four, five, six times. The electric whine, yeah, that's kind of cool. It ends up being a little bit tech metal as opposed to just your standard heavy metal or anything like that. It adds another little layer that is interesting. What but about that, that call so... and response where it sounds like there's a devil on the other side of the line? <laughs> yeah, and that's... <laughs> you actually introduce that quint- that that cliched, you know, metal <sighs> growl. growl. Yeah. yeah. That that just seems like it's it's a courtesy nod it's a an little ac- bit. I, it, I, don't, uh, I don't think it's a courtesy nod, though. I think it's an accent point. Like, it's supposed to accent certain moments in the track. But the whole track just feels like it's going through the motions with accents as opposed to really transitioning into different different parts into a b c d the the differences that we were citing are minute and they're not enough to really make me go that's great that's cool this is something that's that's promoting a different idea the fact that the vocals undergo the greatest transformation means that the only way i can tell the difference between the verse and the chorus is the inflection of what's going on right here if if the vocals were stripped, it really would just be a fairly even wave line going from a low point to a high point, low point to high point for me. It's just so the same throughout that it, I, it's a little bothersome. I don't quite agree with that. I, I think that this song is actually a lot more dynamic than we're giving it credit for. But if, like I said in the very beginning, the aesthetic doesn't really grab you. If the aesthetic is just something that you completely dismiss and throw away and say, this is in a box, this is in the metal box or equally it's in the J-pop box, then you're not really going to look at those intricacies, and you're not going to really look at how this song develops. There are some pretty intricate changes here. I actually think the the transitions were very fluid, very um, innovative. Yeah, it's still pop at the end of the day, and maybe they repeated the chorus one too many times, but I think I liked the chorus enough, because like what you said, Matt, it's got, it's got enough character to it, perhaps more so than the previous uh, couple of tracks. Uh, and I also like the whole little post-rock outro here. It, it had more to it. Well, I think that post-rock... Trying to beat Breach the Line. That post-rock outro also was interesting to me because it felt the most fused between pop and metal. And what I mean by that is that it felt like if the guitars weren't as loud and as fast, it wouldn't be metal. It would be more pop, at least the way the guitars were kind of playing at the end. Um, it felt like a lot of cover and stylistic cover albums that come out in the States. And so... I thought that was interesting. I'm kind of somewhere in between Steve and John. I feel like it wasn't the best track, but I liked the character enough of the track that I was engaged throughout. To be fair, the lyrics really do nothing. Right. I mean, it's it's a lot of it is gibberish. I mean, well, it, for, whether it's in English or Japanese. Sure. I mean, for me, I'm not judging this album really much on lyrics because for me, any foreign language metal record, and I've listened to several, I tend to just chalk up the l- lyrics to being another instrument. All right. Let's go to track four, Yava. 
All caps, exclamation point. Thank yeah, you, Steve. Can't forget the exclamation point. Can't forget it. This so whole this, album is an exclamation point. Th- this track, to me, felt like, and Steve agreed, which is funny, of everyone here for, to agree with me, Steve, everyone, all, all of us, all three of us. It's true, I never agree with you. Um, it feels like a chase stage in an old arcade fighter, like where you're on flying surfboards and you're chasing down a boss and you're beating up bad guys. Like it just, it had that kind of moving speed to it that felt like you were racing down a highway in space. And of course his point is that I'm not really a gamer, but oh boy is it that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just kind of obvious that it's that. Well, it's because it starts with that solid drone for a couple of moments yeah. before it gets into the, the really frantic... Uh, tech metal, club metal. It's yeah. hard to really explain what this is, but it is a little bit more of a synth-oriented metal sound. And there's then there's the guitar. Keyboard. For all the speed that's going on with the percussion in the previous tracks, the guitar is now doing it, and it's great because I love speed. Speed metal is one of the few types of metal that I, I really immerse myself in when I find something I like. And this, this just is going all out just really playing around with what it's doing and it's swaying and that's something that is a little bit different to my ears it's actually bouncing back and forth uh between the chords in a way that i wouldn't really come to expect with metal but the style the actual plucking style does harken to speed metal so it's a weird different combination of elements that i wasn't expecting at least from the get-go with a guitar on this album. It, there's a lot of complexity in here that you just cannot ignore. I mean, forget about just high energy. This is like breaching into prog territory in its own way, not like in the genre that people think of prog. But it, it, it really does remake itself, and it has to be dynamic, especially if we're even comparing it to a video game. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm, like I said, I may not, I would never quant- quantify myself as a, as a gamer, but I've played enough games and I've been in the background of enough games to know this would make an amazing soundtrack to like a, a side scroller yeah. um, or even like Sonic Hedgehog that that yeah. level of, of Speed ener- energy yeah. at least where I, I know a good video game soundtrack when I see it because it manages to make you feel like the character or the sprite that you are there in the, in the game um, like the world is as chaotic as it actually is in this com- this complete fabrication and that's kind of what's going on here I mean in, in it goes from the from the beginning, it goes from this, this like almost like it borrows from like a little surf rock elements, but then transposes that and puts it into a much more metal environment. Actually, and then yeah. from there, it, yeah. it goes into something that it, a lot of emphasis on the upbeat, um, in the vein that like punk would be really uh, emphasizing the upbeat and these crazy effects in the background. I mean, it's almost oversaturated, but yet at the same time, it's it's completely digestible. And I feel like on multiple listens, this this actually gains steam. Actually, the surf rock comparison is a great way to describe that guitar. Uh, it's uh, only because Matt said it was felt like you were surfing, and there is that little, the, yeah, the guitar. But it's, mo- it's like primarily that. in that sway, and when it does come back, because we lose it during the chorus, but in that second verse, third verse, the elements do come back. It chooses us to stylistically change itself, but still really adhere to that surf rock idea of the back and forth between the chords. And I really, really like this idea. I really, really like this part. But like I was saying, we lose that during the chorus. And it's that loss in the chorus where everything just sort of hits wall again, hits it's just drone noise. It's, it's, it's plain. It doesn't yeah. have much character to it. It's all back to that J-pop environment. The tech Still metal. definitely equally as metal, but with none being more important than the other. The tech metal ideas kind of get lost. That that The interesting stuff that it started with, that it kind of perpetuated with the, all the guitar work. And I once again have to say, this guitar was the part that I loved, just like the percussion was the part that I loved in the last few tracks. 
it's lost, it's gone, and it keeps revisiting this chorus. And then we get to the break. Well, yeah, the interlude here is interesting to me because previously with their interludes, they either have some playful guitar solo or the drum really kicks up or they tone it down a bit. Here, it's kind of just a balls-to-the-wall rock-out interlude, you know, headbanging that you would expect in a typical mainstream uh, metal song. And I don't mind it so much here because it actually gives you a moment to breathe. Um, I just wish, like I said, the choruses were a little more intricate because the intricate verse plus this, this kind of interlude, because I believe this goes back into... A chorus. A chorus. That transition from this interlude to the chorus, I enjoyed more because they they married really well together. I felt like, as a whole, I'm on the same page. The choruses could have done a little more, but I didn't mind the kind of breather in this interlude. I think it was because, while as much as I enjoy the guitars of the verses, in the interlude and the choruses, it was the drums that were drawing me in, Mm -hmm. and they weren't as good as they were previously. Sure. So I'm left disappointed. I mean, all in all... The flow was great, and I gotta agree, the flow back into the the track after we have this break, after we have this instrumental, is great. And what I like about this kind of tech metal thing also is the keyboard work here, while not super in your face, is enough to accent the rest of what's going on. Yeah, it gives her a really good atmosphere. It's why I felt like this was, you know, a video game stage, because of that atmosphere they're building. And that's something I'm seeing that they're pretty good at, is at least building an atmosphere. Um, Well, that's always like a vague set, like, well, atmosphere. In this particular case, yes, we have one, because we can say, oh, yeah, video game environment, (laughs) side-scroller. We have a frame of reference with which to say that's the atmosphere. Um, But the fact that they chose this atmosphere anyway, I mean, it, it affords them a lot of flexibility. And frankly, I think that most of this is better music than probably what we've heard in the last several weeks. Better written music, at least. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's more interesting in some ways, and that, I believe, is just the condensed nature of a lot of what the instruments are doing. I mean, that itself is... It has to do with layering and not necessarily, like, melodies themselves. Mm -hmm. The melodies are what they are. Yeah. Uh, From here, we go to track five, Amor, which... Amore. Which has a beautiful ballad introduction yeah it's vocal focus to the intro like the vocals are really front and center here which i like because they have beautiful voices but it's nice to hear them kind of in in the forefront it's light it's airy it's um more once again toward that j-pop side until it eventually (laughs) transitions to the speed guitar straight in those drums i i how his wrists do not fall off (laughs) two drummers Especially in the live setting, two drummers. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Still but the effect, crazy. The effect is is insane to experience. Um, a lot of like like triplets toward the end, or at least like the last few bits of the uh, of the measure, like and one and two and three and four, and the it uh, the drums do that. So does the bass itself. Um, you even have this little uh, like bass solo that lasts very short. It's like it's like ten seconds. But I haven't heard this since Scale the Summit because it it's it's got this tone to it, which was that of what we heard in Evergreen, which was one of our favorite tracks from uh, from the migration. This is back in episode sixty-seven, and it 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 was it was. A very warm sound, despite that, ironically, that was a very stripped-down song compared to everything, everything else on the migration. Yeah. But in this particular case, what kind of you you get that just on a very very small scale? You get ten seconds of the bass just completely being the focus, and uh, it's a, it's a, a wonder to listen to. It's very rolling, very fluid, um, but it doesn't last long before going into a guitar solo, which frankly is equally as impressive. Yeah. There's a lot of transitions on hanging notes in this track. Uh, uh, it goes through a lot of changes. The verses really do 
the exact opposite of my complaint of the previous track. The verses go through all sorts of slight shifts here, there, and everywhere as we're going along, whether it's vocally or whether it's instrumentally, and it's a guitar that, once again, is very standout-ish in my ears, at least. Um, that's just always coming up with something new to say, something new to do, or harkening back to something it did, but putting it in a slightly different context, so on and so forth. Like, there, there's a lot of movement right there. And it keeps finding home in the... Really, one of my favorite fusions of the pop metal in the chorus. It's it's the most solid to my ears in, in a lot of ways because it felt like it was a pop chorus that did get reduxed stylistically as metal. Yeah. And that combination means that instead of trying to get the vocals to work with the instruments, the instruments are following the vocals. And here, it works so well to really promote how just emotional they're they're projecting in this track. Well, yeah, this reminds me a lot of the metal bands I had mentioned earlier in the podcast, especially because of the sweeping nature of the track as a whole, the kind of high-rising kind of flow of it felt very open, emotional, swelling, and, and like that kind of stuff is really engaging, especially with these guys who do some really, really cool stuff. I mean, right before we get to the first guitar solo of the track, we get some bass solo work that was really cool. That was cool. the part I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which it's I really love. It's 10 loved. seconds, though. It's well, that's short. the thing is, yeah, it's pretty much not that the bass solos, it's that everything else cuts out so the bass is in the forefront. But it's still really cool to hear, especially since the bass pretty much sounds like like It's a lot, yeah, but I like the tone more than anything. Yeah, the resonance is just really interesting. I don't know that I hear the bass at that kind of a specific note, especially repeated so fast. I think those 10 seconds seem to have been our favorite part of the track. No, not mine. Oh, Well, not my only favorite part of the track. Actually, I have one other. It was just a highlight. I have one other, and it actually comes toward the end. There was I think they tried to modulate this track um, at a certain point, um, which which is what it is. I actually like the fact that they're even making that attempt. Yeah. And then I, I think they do end up bringing it back, though. But the outro here was rather long and involved. It was the kind yeah. of outro that felt like they indulged in it just enough, where maybe to, to indulge just a little bit more would have probably made it a little bit, uh, a little bit self-flattering. But in this case, it just felt like they were ramping up the energy of the track um, and, and introducing, let's say, the film or something like that. Like if this were in the beginning of an anime, it'd be of a film, it was something that would, you know, roll out the credits and then finally first scene. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of energy for just, it, it felt like it was introducing something rather than just exiting. Of course, it exits the track um, and then we eventually get Metatoro. Metatara was a really curious track for me on first listen, and it's for two very specific reasons. The first one being it does start with a chorus as opposed to a verse, which is a nice little bit change up here. But the second aspect of it is the presentation of something that was really familiar to my ears, but very different in its actual execution. Now, what we get is Oh My Darling Clementine, or at least the inflection that's very, very it close. It feels very nursery rhyme. Exactly. The melody is so yeah. close. But it's presented with a very simple, uh, just a couple of note banging drums and some oddball synth work. That's not really too oddball for this album because they're starting to introduce that idea, but it's oddball for everything that's going on around it. It feels very different. This is but familiar, and it's it's something that's hard to really grasp upon on, on the very, very beginning of this track. Though as it progresses and starts introducing a lot of the more metal elements that, well, this album is full of, like the heavier use of the guitar, the heavier use of the drums, 
it does retain that little synth, and it does retain that nursery rhyme kind of a feel. It keeps going back to that. The, and of course, we should probably correct the inflection. It's mataro, <laughs> mataro. Yeah. Um, but Japanese. it's not just that. It's and metataro, metataro, and, and it's, then it's, starts it's to going that, into the, yeah. the oh my Clement, oh my darling, you know that sort of melody. And uh, it's, it's basically mataro, mataro. You are my hero with the metal heart. You're going to you're going to be reborn. Metataro, uh, metataro. Together, boys and girls, he's everybody's hero. Mata. Metatoro. It, it's um, very, very, to me, like the description is like, oh, we're singing about Voltron. Like, I'm being very cliche here at this point. But or anybody. Ult- That's the Ultraman. Thing. Hero, but larger than life, true yeah. superhero well, type of a thing. Old even, school style. What gives it an even bigger, larger than life feel is once we get to the verses, it, there's chanting, male chanting in the background, and it feels very either Stonecutters from The Simpsons or. Yeah, it's, it's very rough. Is, it's very Valhalla, like Vikings and celebration and war, yeah. yeah, warriors and death, and which was what Stonecutters was in, uh, uh, impersonating anyway. It was playing off of. If you're going to Vikings, it's like uh, the movie The Vikings when they're dancing on the oars. Yeah, <laughs> and it was, <laughs> which is something that actually metal has done a lot. Oh sure. But it's working here really with the synth backdrop with the It's cool. The it's a cool setting here. It's working here with the synth through line that's working in the metal scheme like kind of curiously and the very high vocals because these ladies are very young and they just that's their range, that's their register. So they are hitting very high vocals. It's a weird place to be in because it's both. Uh, I mean, it's different a, and the same. It's and not old that weird. New. Maybe it's weird for the album, sure. But I mean, it takes me back to really more the kind of stuff that like Vangelis was doing in the early yeah. '80s. You know, that synth is is really in that brand, more of a uh, chariots of fire kind of thing. It's, yeah. It's um. Well, it's got that marching beat, which you know, yeah. you have soldiers moving. And well, like, it's just because you said Voltron, I feel like I'm in the '80s here. Yeah, it's, sure. <laughs> there's a lot of um, nods towards the standard sounds that we hear with Marshall Prowess. That's sort of an idea. A lot of the the drum beats are when they do change are still in a militant idea. Even the chanting itself, even especially the chorus, but in general, it still has a, a the meter of stepping of going in unison. Yeah, but military versus nursery rhyme, which seems like they're completely on opposite sides of the coin, and yet here they kind of manage to make them seem like the same exact thing. Yeah. Well, and also, like, I think that's because this is one of the first songs that doesn't really veer far from the pattern it creates. It kind of no. is fairly cyclical. It stays more or less the same, except towards the end when it modulates. It does it modulate. modulate at the yeah. end. And, 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 but otherwise, besides that modulation, which I'll let Steve get into in a sec... It does kind of just go chorus verse, chorus verse. I, I'm sure there's like a little bit of a break interlude in there somewhere. There but, was a little bit of a synth interlude. But, I think but we it get was that. not super standout-ish. So this I is the first stood song. Stood out to me. I think, well, I, I'll correct that. It's not that it wasn't super standout-ish. It, felt, it fell into the flow so well and fit so well that I think it made the song just feel kind of like a solid unit that didn't break out of the mold of what it had created. It just made us feel like your hero is still flying. Yeah, it pretty you much. Know, through the stars or whatever colorful backdrop you wish to superimpose. Um, but yeah, and even the modulation really just serves to do exactly that anyway. Yeah. It's just like he's picked a different direction. He's not going toward Jupiter. Now he's going toward Pluto. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he is, but he seems like he's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, the song does have that kind of awesome character to it, and I think that comes from the nursery rhyme-esque-ness of it, too. Like, you're looking up to this hero. He's like, you know, like, you know, just... Well, 
Listen to his backstory here. Long ago, long, long ago, far away, in a clear planet in the galaxy, he was born. It's the period of war. Winners enjoy heaven. We always lose, and our life is hell. Now we will say farewell to those days. Now let's stand up. Can you hear the voice from inside of you? Can you hear the voices from your comrades? Beat your enemies, Metatoro. Beat your enemies. You are the hero with the metal power. You're going to be reborn, Metatoro. Together, boys and girls. He's everybody's hero. That's he's a great guy. I mean, it's just a really <laughs> just cool, a really I cool mean, dude. I mean, there's a straight up narrative here. The music backs it up. I don't know. I think it's really great. I really enjoyed it. I kind of got wrapped up in the frenzy of this track. It somewhat feels like a lighthearted version of Iron Man. Sure. I mean, like, like if if, well, I, I mean, if everything turned out well in the end and everything I like mean, that. I mean, Iron Man is not too far-fetched from Ultraman and all of that stuff that existed in Japan way before him. At least I think way before him. So yeah, I, I get that sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And it, it works. Like, it's 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 infectious. Yes. It works so well. And it's it's just catchy. It really does a great job of... of of getting me on that hook right away and just keeping me in it. Yeah, I won't beat Distract to Death. I think it, it, it's it's absolutely catchy. Who cares whether it's part of the album or it's not? I think, frankly, I appreciate the fact that it's not. It manages to be individualistic. So let's go to the next track, which uh, we had a little bit of a discrepancy with. So track seven uh, from Dust Till Dawn. We do most of our uh, album listening for these reviews on Spotify. I pay for the service, um, and so we check out the albums there, and um, you know, we've purchased albums pre-show also on iTunes and some other places, but this time around we didn't. We didn't realize until we got together to record today that From Dust Till Dawn you can't find online anywhere to stream and you can't listen to on iTunes. It's just not available. I mean, not iTunes, Spotify. It's not. It's just not available. So we're skipping this track because we couldn't listen to it. It has to, to do it. with well, the, the uh, U.S. release, or the out-of-Japan so. release. It's not just that. It's, it's also not necessarily From Dust Till Dawn. It's also... Syncopation, which was the Japanese release version. We're not even sure which one is yeah. the true seventh track of this I album. I actually found a Reddit forum which is busy explaining all the, or trying to explain it, trying to get to the bottom of it, and yeah. there's a bunch of different theories, and who on, knows. On they I actually theorized that maybe it was an instrumental that was specifically from a Kami band, uh -huh. um, who is doing all the music here, but that maybe there was an issue uh, having it be uh, be released as purely their work, or and instead of the other, were, I don't They're know. on a different label from, from Baby Metal. It's hard we to we don't know. If you so, know, tell us. Yeah. Actually, if you do, or if you're a fan of baby metal and you know the reason why it's not featured on Spotify, I mean, my theory is, so on iTunes, you can usually buy individual tracks of an album unless it's a bonus track. Then you have to get the album to get the album bonus track. And this is a track where if you try and buy the album on iTunes, song by song, you can't buy this track. You need to buy the whole album. So my theory is it's a bonus track that's just not available. Either way, we're skipping it. If you know why, please inform us. Um, why it's not available, that is. We are moving on to track eight, which is... GJ exclamation point. GJ. So, um, drums here again, <laughs> like nobody's business. I, I mean, I think we, we sound like a broken record at this point, but the drums here really, I mean, so let, let me rephrase that because the drums in the previous tracks were all over the place and really crazy. Here, we just get this pounding drum. It's more of a tribal. steady march again. One, yeah. two, and three, four, and one, that kind of thing. And then the vocals enter. This is probably... This is the ominous sound I think you were looking for earlier. We get it a little bit here. It feels a little bit darker in the start here. It's it's cool because it's almost as if they're not really singing. Like, they're all in sync and they feel a little bit like they're in a daze. Um, you do get the J-pop chorus later on, but I where they it is a little bit more singing style. But I, I think the vo the vocals were my my favorite part here in the, in the verses. Uh, that's where... 
not just the verses, but also the first of the two courses, because there is a little bit of a discrepancy going on okay, right yeah, here. That's true. There's the one course of Moto Moto Hora, which is something that gets revisited more often than the other course. And I originally thought it was really just a pre-course. I, I thought that it was going to just be uh, something that gets repeated before we go into the main course. But considering the way it gets used later in the track to be like a, a rallying point of this track, to be the primary hook, uh, to be used as the major component of the bridge, I can't really discredit it as just a pre-course. It, it's, it's almost like we have a verse chorus chorus setup going on right here. And I have to say this first chorus feels extremely married to the verse, and I love it. I really do. It, it perpetuates that kind of eerie feel that we're getting in the vocals, especially because it's cult-like in some ways, the way that mm. they're saying these things. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, I'm waiting for the eyeballs to roll up in the back of their head. But when the other chorus steps in, I'm not so smitten anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's cuddly. It's bubblegum. And it's in direct contrast with the previous ideas that it's jarring. Interestingly, though, I did find that, yeah, there was a phrase within the chorus where the vocals sounded, I mean, where you get that, that gruffness in the background, um, the little call and response thing, where it's like metal again, just for one phrase, and then it's back to the bubbly stuff. So this chorus was, I, I agree, it was more of a, a, a weird mesh between the two, where the pivoting that we normally have been experiencing between, like, verses and choruses and, you know, a, a, a bubblegum section into a really, really metal section, here you're getting that within the... the within the confines of one section. A little odd. This, I'll say, though, has a, uh, not a trope, but a feature in metal that, when used this way, I, I don't mind as much. So I'm not a huge fan of hardcore metal where it's screamed from beginning to end. Scrum? Screamed? Screamed? It's not scrum, I can tell you that. <laughs> sure, why not? A scrum, I believe, is something having to do with rugby. Oh, is that a crumb? No, it's a scrum. We already had the conversation on past participles. <laughs> Swum is normal, scrum is not. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, seriously, um, I... When when there are screams in metal for emphasis or for a brief moment or like there's a focus musically for why you're screaming, I'm more engaged than if it's just you're screaming from beginning to end. And here, that's what that brief section exactly does. There's a part that's sung and then a scream, almost call and response, that makes for an interesting dynamic that I enjoy. Um, I think that again, though, it is a little oddball. It's hard to really know where this song is going emotionally just based on what we're hearing. Obviously, reading the lyrics may cha change it a bit because there are some translations we have, but just based on listening, I'm not really sure where this song is going. All right, well, then let's read him. The circle mosh in the green commuter train turns into wall of death by the bell and the death growl. To the right, to the left, we're stray sheep. Die, 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 die. It's hard for us to climb the stairwell, the stairway to adulthood. One step, two step, lift up. We ride across the stormy world by crowd surfing. Dive, 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 let's go. Uh, more, more, hey, more, 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 hey. Lift us up more higher. Uh... Well, no, don't skip over that part. That's the moto part. That's the hypnotism part yeah. that really gets yes, to me. Yes, that's true. But more, more, hey, more, more, hey. And it's just, it, it, it gets across as sort of like, uh, yeah, we're drawing you in, drawing you in. And that idea, more, more, lift us up, give us more. What it goes into in that, that secondary chorus, good job. We need not get irritated. No, be lighthearted. Take it easy. That's the direct pop influence. Yeah. They are marrying the message to the musical style, to the vocal style. And in this case, while it did work in some other spots, in this case, it's just not meshing with me. I will say, though, lyrically, if the translations are even a little bit accurate, I love the comparison to growing up. 
uh, to the subway system and like just giving it that kind of frame. It was really cool, and I hope that's exactly what they're talking about. Um, well, th- that that's, that's very said. disappointing, seeing as we live in New York here, because uh, <laughs> it's not doing a lot of growing. <laughs> well, their subway system is very different than ours. This is true. Um, they have people paid to squish you onto the trains, like. We've all seen those videos. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Painful. Um, but I am I- seeing the influences, though. Even on the stuff that is very much tied to the, the, the heavy metal, mm-hmm. it's still a little more lighthearted than what you come to expect. I, I do want to talk about one of my favorite moments, though, on this track that's completely fleeting. At a minute and 48 seconds, we have a single strike of a cowbell. That comes in and then they move past. That was bizarre. It's so random. But, but it but works. I loved it. That it was, was that so was straight random. up musical comedy though, yeah. and and I I love it for it because it's it's music comedy, not like making a joke of the thing as a whole. But it's like you have all of this 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 thrashing, Crash. this this amazing little metal section, and then their transition is just on that little fourth beat of the measure. Da, 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 dun. Yeah. And then it's yeah. right into it. It's just, it's so... I it's, burst out laughing, at least. It's, of course, because it's so focused. Also, we have the you know the SNL bit here with, with, with more cowbell. Like, I mean, it's impossible not to laugh at that moment, and I think it's kind of brilliant that they worked that in as a transition being a single note on a cowbell. It's just something we've not... I've, I can't think I've ever seen something like that before, so I think that's great. Well, I'll, I'll argue that it has been done before in a few things, but it's like... It's so blatantly obvious here, though. Maybe because they waited until track eight or so to do it. Maybe that's it. It could be. All right. Um, but I, I would say, for the rest of the track, though, as far as wrapping up and stuff, you know, there's nothing fancy about the outro. You know, it kind of just plays out. I believe it ends at a dead stop. It doesn't even fade out. It. I, I like this track. I think it might be one of my favorites just because it just seems so balls to the wall and bizarre. I just wish the drumming was a little more intricate. The drum, you know, the heavy... Oh, that was the outro. It was the heavy pounding drum again yeah. came back. And, you know, okay. You can end that way. Sure. Well, if you wanted drumming, the next track, Sis Anger, has Oy. the eight-legged beast showing back up That's and true. just blowing your socks off once again. This we- intro is Dragon Force, like to a T. The drums are impossible here. I mean, I... I, I, I... <laughs> eight-legged beast, yes. Okay. That's it. I mean, and yes, there are two drummers. I well, guess. and I think I also, here's the first time we get a really a, very much a cinematic kind of soundbite megaphone moment with those drums like just someone talking you can't re- it's kind of indistinguishable about what they're saying it's probably not in English and it just that plus the drumming just adds to this kind of very theatrical drum- dragon force kind of an intro and I think that you know this this is the kind of drumming that will make your eyes cross but the vocals are the best part of the song and I'm going yeah. to argue there might be the best part of the album for me okay um because in this particular track it's kind of like what I said in the last track where they're, they're not quite singing but here they're not even quite chanting either it's almost like an imperial march in the background once we get over the intro then everything starts becoming a little bit more not regular but a little bit more steady a little bit more determined and then it sounds like she the, the the main singer is outside of the song just in a daze and she slides and fades into nothing at the ends of phrases and and sometimes when she sticks the landing or if there is really a landing there because it just kind of fades it feels like it lands in between notes it just lands on a semitone and it makes it sound so separate from the song I, I was I was in a trance by yeah. it, and and it's it, something completely unique. It's not J-pop. It's not metal. It is just whatever they did. It's haunting. I, it's a little Ominous scary. Too, yeah. It's a little scary on that that falling vocal note. I this is really some of the most evocative parts of this entire album, just condensed right here in those little ends of phrases. Well, you get the kind of darkness that anger provokes here, and and you get a sense of that just from the instrumentation, which I really love. Is in other tracks, 
kind of how their singing gives per- it away. Percussion, well, because the instrumentation of the guitar. Well, drums are an instrument. Well, no, I'm <laughs> like I would. I want to separate though the guitar from the drums in Fair this point. case. Okay. Because while the guitar is kind of riffing, it's surprisingly steady, and I'm liking yeah. it at that spot. I'm liking it not showing up and flaring because it allows me to really sit with the contrast between the vocals and the percussion a lot more easily. It's not flashy, and that's great. The track is just closer to the mic. It's more in your face. Like, this feels like... Like, I agree with Steve. It's... if it's metal, it's some kind of different metal that we have not gotten on this record yet, but it's definitely just doing things that kind of are alluding to emotions and alluding to this darker side, and it's really interesting to hear. Almost as if you've like pocketed your emotions away or something yeah. like that. Like in, Almost a coldness. All, all coming, a coldness, suppression. Um, let's look at the lyrics here, because maybe I'm sure some things are bound to get lost in translation, but let's see what was done. I dislike guys who think only about themselves. You're uncool, very uncool. Don't approach me. I dislike no way, useless, can't get any more. They're uncool, very uncool. I don't want to hear them. I will knock your ill nature into shape. Burn, burn your anger hidden inside. Stop kidding, hey you. It doesn't matter to win or lose. Stop kidding, hey you. It is only whether to be serious or not that matters. And then finally, I dislike, 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 fighting spirit, 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 damn you. It's just... There, the, you're right. Even though, even if we have lost some things in translation, the kind of aggressive nature of this track is definitely there in the lyrics and for sure in the instrumentation too. And I, I, I don't know. It just really kind of enraptured me here. But the, it's the. the the curious choice is how they're singing it yeah. once again, because these are lyrics that I could easily say, and we, you know, we would have a very kind of plain discussion. If, for instance, they were screamed, yeah. or they were, uh, or they were uh, very forcefully melodically sung, yeah. then we'd be saying, "Oh, well, yeah, sure, great, it matches the the words here." I, I, this is a a very apt uh, <laughs> uh, singing choice, but it's specifically off the wall, and it makes this whole entire theme here the way the character is feeling it puts it in a different light in a different perspective the kind of things that music can achieve that poetry alone cannot achieve if you just read this right or if it's just screamed and it sounds like you you lose something you lose something specifically and actually i think that's a pretty uh uh, wonderful achievement for them that they were able to pass that across in translation despite the fact that they are you know uh singing a different language yeah it's all an inflection that that transition from kind of just inflection or how it's being performed to actually consciously understanding without understanding is always fascinating to me. Again, I, and I may have mentioned them earlier, but I mention them often when talking about metal with l- lyrics I don't understand. Rammstein has a very aggressive sound, but not all the songs are as aggressive as the sound is. And it's just always, when you can pick that up in the lyrics, I think that's really interesting. And so I get a sense of that here as far as just pulling from the song, even if you don't uh, immediately understand what's going on. Mm. I just love the fact that in many ways when we're listening to pure instrumental pieces and things like that, listening to music where the lyrics I don't understand, I, I, I like it when the emotion comes across. Yeah. Like Metataro, like Amor, this track really does get across its lyrical slant sure. purely through just the, the combination of the vocals and the instrumentation. Yeah. Beautifully. I'm I was totally on board with this track. I wanted to stay with this track. I love the phrasing there too. Um, I'm sure it sounds much more uh, forceful or, or perhaps beautiful in Japanese. But I will knock your ill nature into shape, and I will burn down everything with a well with a flare of of anger. 
and and the specific moral behind here like it doesn't matter uh, whether you're skillful or awkward stop kidding hey you you may think back but you may not regret it's a it's a very it seems like a an uncanny complex message for this album at this juncture and and I feel like especially compared to the track we're going into I mean and we'll talk about the lyrics I guess a bit because I don't really know what the lyrics are or the meaning here but track 10 no rain no rainbow doesn't seem to have that kind of same power or influence. It's hard to tell. So well, it's a piano ballad. <laughs> we, we said earlier that a song sounded like the intro to, the an- to an anime. Here, this is like the animes I grew up watching, like Full Metal Alchemist, some of early Dragon Ball, and like those songs that had this kind of beautiful intro, sweeping. Uh, you know, th- that I think comes in here because we get a piano ballad, exactly like Steve said, and. It's just a little bizarre. Well, it's, it's like, not unfounded for a metal record to go light, but just for me, it just seems out of left field, especially well, considering what we just had. Keeping with the anime intro thing, I find it interesting that really I could have seen many tracks on this album probably serve as an anime intro just because that's our experience with a lot cliches, of this music in a, sure, yeah. in a cliche way. But then again, remember, we had a track earlier where it was like I could just as easily see it being a very forceful intro or even a kind of a forceful uh, high energy, high intensity, but generic intro, and then the anime tone has actually nothing to do with it. Right. Well, this is the intro to that anime that I described, yeah. um, matching it. Yeah. For instance, the the girl in the field, the, the cherry blossoms, and all that. <laughs> this is the 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 mood that actually matches that. Um, I I liked the string backdrop. I thought it was very beautiful. The piano ballad was a little bit plain. I don't think it was anything particularly fancy here. Um, the vocals. The mixing though, was incredible though. And the vocals really shined for me here. I I was thoroughly enjoying uh, Sue Metal's vocals, which I believe she's the lead on pretty much every track. Most of it, yeah. Uh, it's it's really. This is the range I, I didn't expect from the rest of the album. This is this is something where the backdrop just is not trying to, you know, complement the vocals or anything like that. It's a pure backdrop to just hear her belting something out. I love that aspect. But otherwise, I really didn't need a rock ballad on a heavy metal pop tr- album. And that's just, where I'm coming from here. I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this track didn't engage me as much. I mean, yes, I agree with everything John said. I think that... I mean, even the guitar solo we get in this song feels the closest to, like, a classic rock kind of Brian May from Queen kind of sound. But... Which is nice, but... For as, as like, of, of the of the era it really is... Yeah. I love the mixing on this solo. Yeah, it that's is, true. In headphones, it is purely phenomenal. Yeah. One guitar in one ear, one guitar in the other ear. They're at slightly different levels when they are playing in tandem, and a lot of the time they're not playing in tandem. They're playing two different lines. It's a double lead, and it is. I it, it could be like so impactful all by itself just listening to it. I think they're owning this style, but this is another uh, area of pastiche. I mean, this is yeah. like you said, this is in the classic rock vein. I feel like they're just owning it maybe twenty or thirty years too late. I'm inclined to not be super harsh on them because we've listened to bands who have done unique things outside of their track to track sound that we have praised for. I mean, when we go all the way back to Twenty One Pilots, you know, it was mostly hip hop with a little bit of rock influence, and then they would do some kind of pop uh, ballady stuff too that we liked. And so I don't, I don't, I don't want to harp, harp too much on the fact that it seems out of place and more harp on that I just wasn't engaged because I felt it was kind of plain. Not because it didn't belong, but just because this song done by them didn't really do anything that I would come to them for that I couldn't go elsewhere also, I think. Well, 
I think it's because we we really are getting something lost in translation here. Uh, in this case, while I don't say you need the the definition for many of these tracks, and in my ears, I didn't need the definition, but this track really was a very introverted idea as opposed to the extrovert that we've gotten in the rest of the album. Sure, I could see that. They've what? been very upfront with just about yeah, everything. Sure. Very attitude-driven, though the attitude wasn't mean or nasty or anything like that. It's just there's very, very strong personality going on here. Then again, not, not that this is, you know, not wearing their heart on their sleeve sure. necessarily. It's just that it takes it in a little more of a delicate tone. The lyrics go, Why can't I sleep? Why does the night end? I don't want anything, even tomorrow, even the future, without you. Why was I smiling? Why so, though, feeling lonely? Nobody knows that I really just wanted you to be by my side. So it's pretty it's straightforward. Sweet. Yeah, I d- But, see, that's it's, the idea. It's a very different idea. It's not the self-assured individual that we've gotten throughout the rest of this album. But this see, is that, something to me, that, is that to me makes this album very, like, par for the course. Because yeah. that's what most albums do. They portray a certain side, a certain character, and then there's always that one moment, uh, sometimes a moment of Self-reflection. Where self-reflection and everything might turn around, if that's the, the, that's the essence of building a narrative. As, as a whole, this track, for me, the biggest issue I think is that while it's pretty and it's there's talent we're getting to the territory that we've been in before where I just feel like it was predictable enough that I liked it but I could have lived without it I I, I hear what Steve's saying narrative wise and I don't think that it doesn't belong I just think for me taste wise it wasn't for me uh, yeah well, yeah, I, could definitely, to... I could definitely see why you're coming in from that way. This was just the first time I really felt like I could hone in on the vocals specifically. Gotcha. As opposed to any of the other aspects starting, like, changing the way the vocals were being portrayed. This is the first time I really feel that aspect. I'm really listening to that aspect, and I appreciate it for that as much as anything else. It ends on kind of a positive note. Even the despair becomes the light. Though an endless rain continues to fall, even the despair becomes the light. A sad rain throws a rainbow, even now. Yeah, Eh, it's it's pretty. sweet. And I also don't want to gloss over those string arrangements. They really were quite beautiful. I wish there were I wish kind of maybe there were more of them, but I know that's not the focus of this album. So it was a nice little perk. Let's go to track uh, for the next track, Tales of the Destinies. So track 11 here... Okay. <laughs> we, we've got, so this is how I will describe it, and then we will try and describe it. Um, this is definitely one of those songs where we've said in the past, go listen to it right now, and then come back to us. Pause us, listen to the track if you have not, and then come back. There's no way you could operate with us if you didn't do this anyway. But um, this track, it has a bazillion and one-time <laughs> signature changes, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like story to story to stories to story. There's so much narrative here, it's almost overwhelming. But all really mainly through it's music. Yeah. I mean, you have, yeah, there are lyrics here, but that they were very... That was so second secondary to everything else. I barely what the else. lyrics sounded like in this. Like, um... They were, okay, there was a couple different choices lyrically. Yeah. Some of it really did harken back to the Meditaro style of a kind of marching hypnotism. Some of it harkened back to the hollowness of cis anger. Yeah. Some of it was pretty much just pop, like straight up, almost, you know, drony. But each of those different types of vocals married to a different style instrumentation. And all these shifts, some of them were harsh, some of them weren't, most of them actually weren't. There was, I think, and I try to keep track, but I think 
18 different shifts which in it, this song. Which depends, of course, inevitably like on, on what you're calling yeah. a shift. Like, is yeah. it, But there was at least a dozen that are legitimate, you can't deny, shifts. Like, it's different sections of the piece. Yeah. But at the and same, yeah, but there were also, like, I think this track stood out to us uh, more so than others because of the t- fact that it seemed to change within certain sections, different phrases would take on a radically different character yeah. within the same section. Like, even just in the very beginning, tone-wise, it goes from being very energy-filled to very lively all of a sudden, and then suddenly to very threatening. It does so many things, and it shows that they're so full of ideas. And this, I guess this mainly goes to the credit of uh, Kami Band. Um, they're just full of musical ideas. They know how to take a, a, a pattern and then reinvent that pattern, a retrograde, whatever you gotta do. It also sounded like um, like a couple of the previous tracks, like this maybe could have belonged in a video game also, because uh, if, 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 if a lot of things are happening in front of you on screen, then the music for, should reflect that kind of chaos. Sure. Um, but if it's gonna be something like that, it's a sort of melody that's, you know, the different stages all kind of pressed up together. Where you see the the actual cohesion of what the overall story might be. I mean, I think the thing that's really interesting. Well, to is me, that is that more of an indictment you're making? No, I'm actually <laughs> saying it's a compliment. Like there seems to be a cohesive story going on right here with this track. Well, I, I was definitely on the opposite side of the fence before I actually re-listened to it on my own and took a little bit of what these two guys said here with a grain of salt. You gotta... This is the type of track that yeah, you, have, you to, have to sit with. You have to sit with for a longer period of time because anything that... If you listen to this once, you're almost gonna just, like, pass it off like you would... Like a lot of people, perhaps to their uh, to their fault, pass off Dragon Force yeah. and just be like, oh, pff, come on, jeez, it's, it's indulgent, you know? Yeah. Or, it's, or you masturbatory. Know it's every type of metal. They just couldn't decide on it. And that's what I actually said beforehand. I said it was, they were just trying to do every type of metal they could think of at once. Yeah, but I think, well, I think honestly, this track shows a lot more a sense of character and sense of uh, self-awareness. More so maybe even than a lot of Dragon Force tracks. Because sometimes Dragon's, and here's where I tend to criticize Dragon Force, is because I think they, they lose character to me after a while. It's just like, yes, it's very showy, you're very talented, very technical, but then I wonder how I really feel afterwards. But this, because it manages to reinvent itself so many times, um, and each and every guitar pattern, each and every solo, each and every phrase feels so unique, it, it, it actually is sending me on this weird arc that I can't quite describe, but I get closer and closer to being able to describe and closer and closer to re- remembering where those shifts occur when you listen to it multiple times in a row. Well, I feel like that arc that you're describing is where my headspace is with the song. I, I kind of dubbed it the strongest narrative I may never understand. And what I mean by that is that Steve's right. It really does go from place to place to place. And with enough listening, you could follow along. And for me, I would get lost in it. But I could clearly tell that even though I'm getting lost in where I am, that there is something happening. There is clearly a scene happening at all of these changes. And yet at the same time, I feel like as many times as we describe this, we're going to end up being very vague. But it's... So I'll be a little more specific. Like, it's the rhythmic changes that intrigue me most here. And I've been craving a song like this for a really, really long time, which is really... It's closer to prog than I think we've ever really done. Because even most of the prog tracks, the prog albums that I've brought on, that, that, that a couple of you have brought on, they really don't... Like... 
they don't. They still have a fixture. They still have a segment, a they melody. They return to something. They return to something. You could identify, and then you could say, "All right, well, for that segment, maybe they go off it a little bit." But this is intensely more complex. Sure, it has an aesthetic. It has a kind of character that you still might associate with this Euro metal or what have you. But it is a lot more complex within that. You need to just kind of set your your preconceptions aside. There's even shifts during vocal aspects, mm-hmm. during the vocal parts, especially the chorus. There's not a tempo change, but it almost feels like they're replicating something else from earlier in the track. And that's one thing that does happen. They go to back to home bass or basses. Like, not every section is unique, pretty little flowers. Every section does harken back to something else after the fifth or sixth section. I don't know. You get lost in translation of some of these things. But having to having these harsh shifts that sound so flowing in the middle of a chorus is pretty fantastic that you can pull something there, like that off. There are also some really oddball moments. Like there's one point where I think it's around three minutes and ten seconds, we straight up get vaudeville like ragtime sound. Okay, this just is just out of nowhere. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interlude. This is yeah. um yeah, that's just kind of the other thing I was about to mention. I don't know whether it attracted me to it or it it, it fell under the same uh, the same umbrella as like that little cowbell uh, uh-huh. that we beat that we heard uh, a few tracks ago. This is kind of the same idea. It's a musical joke. It's a little insert where everything strips away. Which in the case of this track, because it's so ever pre- omnipresent, when it strips away, it's it's like a, a a hole in your heart. And what you're left with is just this little honky tonk piano with this little ragtimey uh, vaudevillian insert. And it's it's very, it, it sounds like something like in a completely different environment, and then like clockwork, straight out of that, we're back to where we were. Yeah. Um, and not so long after that, we're in a completely different place. Like with the B section, it, it, it starts introducing us to um, more a, a theme that seemed to introduce the solo. Um, because yeah. it was felt like it was going to go into something else, and then instead of that different thing, we got the solo instead. Which was, which completely, was, bonkers. was completely bonkers, and also was made up of several different components. Um, <laughs> it's, it was, this was incredible. I loved the solo. It, it was not just showy, it's, it's intricate. And it fools you here into thinking that it actually is changing time signature constantly, but that's the sign of a great solo, is that here it really is mostly, you know, in four, except toward the tail end, it seemed like maybe they threw in just a, a, a little measure of three just to throw you off and then restart the whole thing again in four and I, I I was loving it it was the most dynamic solo I think I've heard in a, in a very long time uh, and in many many episodes and then we get the actual outro which was which was really solid piano work which we were stunning. introduced in the previous track and first thing I said was what's this and the second thing I said and this time I said it aloud was why wasn't this in the other track was why wasn't this this in no rain no rainbows because the chops that are going on right here, the intricateness, the arrangement that's going on right here is gorgeous. Piece. And this idea would have been so much more fulfilling on No Rain, No Rainbow. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the way I look at this track, it feels like an overture. It feels like one solid like thematic expression of, um, in many ways, this album. I could, yeah, I could that's see that. That's actually a good point. That's I mean, terrible. It, it is point. kind of constructed like that yeah. because they do seem so independent, but at the same time, this also has the high energy uh, climactic components to it that I would find like I feel like I've mentioned this before. Remember um, the track I Like To off of uh, Cargo by Men at Work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We've talked about 1982. this. 1982. Yeah. I mean, 
that track is full, I mean, that album is full of many just kind of straightforward pop rock new wave uh you know Australian new wave songs and they're all unique in their in their own way and it never really goes full force until that track which is like the second to last or maybe third to last track just right about the same place that this track falls yeah and it seems like this is this introduces that kind of energy that I don't think you could ever achieve again had you had you made it an overture sure you know that would be definitely showing all your cards so it still falls in the right place in this album uh, in order to maximize my enjoyment with it it would it would really blow my mind I guess if it were the first track but they could never follow it up I don't no, I don't see it happening well, it in, makes in, sense that it comes towards the end there are a lot of unique ideas also involved in this track that I kind of would have liked to see expanded upon in other tracks uh, especially the speed guitar, the speed metal that's going on. While we did get it in previous tracks, uh, especially when we were getting ideas of surf rock showing up every once in a while, it felt really, really, really intricate. But I do also like the fact that it really was a unique idea. So maybe on the one hand, I wanted this to be an overture for an album. On the other hand, I like that it's just fresh ideas over and over again. And I just like that it's comical. I think that in, in each and every iteration of each and every return, each and every new thing, it just strikes me as a joke on everything. It's a joke on music because they have so much fun with these different sections. I, I love the, the strut to it that it gets more toward the end, uh, even before we get the, the piano ballad. And I even really kind of love the piano ballad. I think maybe that's what you needed just to cool this monstrosity off. I mean, it, yeah, I didn't think... I didn't think it belonged in the previous track like John mentioned. I think that it did fit for a cooldown for here. I think it was kind of necessary after all of that. Well, it's not that I felt like it was belonged. Why didn't we Why get that, that kind of piano work in the, pre- previous, in the track? previous track? Right, that makes sense. Um, from here, we go to the final track, which is the ink, specifically the English version of the song The One. Which did come out in two versions, both English and Japanese, which is another point of contention of which version of this album we're on. Right. So here's my one little nitpick about foreign language rock albums because I noticed it the most on them though other foreign language albums do it too is Rammstein did this a lot there were gratuitous English songs of already released German songs so like Du Hast was I hate you hate me in in English and the English version just doesn't have the power that the German version did because it was all in the way they pronounced the words and how it's presented here at least while I hate when bands of foreign language do that, because I feel like the English version never lives up to the way it was written in the foreign language, here at least, this is a song that we didn't have previously on the record. This is just an English song that they're giving us. So at least, I'm not going to compare it to something instantly. I'm just going to understand the lyrics and and have clarity at least for what they're saying. Yeah, but I see your point, and I had kind of the same uh, a similar problem with this track, because I didn't see any reason for it to be in English. Sure. I mean, I don't even know why some bands do this. Why do you, why, if you live in another country, why would you sing in English? I would assume the primary reason is marketing. There are a lot of English-speaking countries, and, well, we are consumers, let me tell yeah. you. So, obviously, that would be beneficial. It would be advantageous, advantageous to just spread your music, but I don't I, why would that make a difference? Really, yeah. if you really think about that. If we're listening like, to an entire you, are you really think that's, English. Why would that affect us and say, oh, there's an English song. I like this better. I'll buy more of their album. Who thinks that way, honestly? Um, I mean, we have some pretty dumb and racist people in this country, so they could think that way. I don't know. Yeah, but if 90% of the, tr- uh, the album is already in a different language, that's that's, even that doesn't make sense. Because they wouldn't have listened to it in the first place. That's uh, you, a good point. You use your 99 <laughs> cents and buy that one track? I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't point. buy it. So I'm going to say that that is 
a completely non-entity and that it was really an artistic choice. Um, obviously, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, American influence in Japan and, and usually in any country where there's a lot of influence from one nation into another, they might pay homage to that particular language. Yeah. Like, for instance, we share a lot in common with, you know, Western culture, French culture, and occasionally you will hear little uh, lines, little stanzas that are just said in French yeah. for no reason. For no reason, because French. Just because French. Cause it's, a French. it's a beautiful Hashtag language. French. It's a beautiful language, and it's an artistic choice. And I believe that's the reason here, um, that they just chose English because English. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the instrumentation first. Um, I think that... Well, I do, but I do want to stress that okay. it's a problem for me. It's a problem for me only because... <laughs> you no, know, you're killing me. No, it's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's a little... The inflection is a little bit off, and it felt like this was not... They weren't quite maybe ready to do this. It, obviously, it helps if you're completely 100% fluent in that language, and something here just felt a little bit awkward. I don't know why it was. Maybe it's just because they waited until the last track to do it. I mean, I didn't get a sense of that as much as you did, but but, but I hear what you're saying. The um, little inflections here and there, just as I, just I Okay, I didn't get that at all. I really had no... It didn't feel like there was any disparity between this track and any of the previous tracks. I mean, it's not something that I would ever, like, you know, judge in conversation. Or, you know, if, if someone doesn't yeah. speak 100%, like, with, with no accent whatsoever, I wouldn't care. But there, I certainly... I you're speak feeling, a little bit You're of feeling Spanish. like they're trying something that's just not quite in their bully work yet. Yeah, like, I speak a little bit of Spanish. I would never try to sing in Spanish. I get I, that. I feel like I would be left at a little. And they're, just, not, and they're not even on that level. It's just not 100%. 99 I, I, I understand that. I just don't I don't agree that that's an issue right here. Yeah. I don't I don't really detect that right here. For me, it's just honestly the first time I heard it, I didn't really even recognize that there was English vocals right right away. Like I just heard the same vocals. I mean, fair that point. I've been, You're focusing on the I was instrumentation so, like usual. You might not notice. I was so zoned in on just listening to it as a vocal plus instrument type of a thing that lyrics kind of washed over me the, for the first few seconds well, when I was listening to this track. Yeah, but it has one side effect. The side effect is that because it's in English, then the lyrics come through and the lyrics are kind of cheesy. Like, even this time I can say without, you know, I, I, by simply reading them and also by hearing them, lyrics are kind of cheesy. Yes, Looking yes. for our hope, looking for our dream, we're going to find a way to change. This is our song. This is our dream. Please take us to the land of dreams. We yeah. are the one. Together, we're the only one. You, you are the going. one. You're but it is really <laughs> cheesy. It I is can. very much a, a focus on the very pop aspect of their lyrics. In that sense, it's almost like they just, like, like they uh, they pulled away the veneer, you know? And there was a little bit of veneer, at least, in it being a, uh, a foreign language. I guess so, yeah. I mean, also, keep in mind who's writing this. You know, 16-year-old and 18-year-old girls. I mean, obviously... If they're writing it at all. No, they're not writing it at all. Oh, they're not writing no, it at all. No, it's no, no, got no, the no. idle, you know... Oh, got it, got it, got it. Got it's it. very much being manufactured for them by somebody Well, then else. consider the audience that these girls are probably attracting still... In that age range, you're going to identify with cheesy lyrics like this more. That than doesn't make me less critical of fair, it. Fair point. I'm just, it's not, I'm not explaining it away. I'm just explaining it. Gotcha. Um, I will say though, instrumentally though, I like what the guitar is doing here. I like what the drums are doing here. It's still a lot lighter. There's a moment later on where like they're not even singing lyrics. They're doing you know la la la's and that kind of stuff. But the the way the the the, the is that onomatopoeia la la la's. Um, rise up. It's what it is. <laughs> it's what it is. Um, the guitar does the same thing. The guitar matches their vocal notes almost identically, and I love that. I thought it was really pretty. I like how melodic it is. Yeah. It was a nice cool down because of that. Even the parts where it's jumping around a little bit more, the context is there. It's a great follow-up to that vocals. piano outro that we previously got. I think they match together pretty well. Yeah, it's 
it's kind of what mm, I think No Rain, No Rainbow didn't quite accomplish right, in, its, exactly. in its delivery. It's still a very fluid track. There's not a lot of crazy turns in it as nope. much as earlier, uh, despite still being full of ideas, full of pattern reinventions or whatever. It's um, so not metal, though. It's so not the like a, a little lot bit of the like other... it's hinting at the metal that work they've done before, you know, strummy kind of electric sound. But, but yeah, no, I agree. It's not as heavy for sure as the previous stuff. Yeah, and while the previous track set us up for this, I guess that's probably why No Rain, No Rainbow is such an oddball for me. Sure. Even though I really, really enjoy the vocals. Like, I think, still think that's the best vocals on this album. Here, this feels a little more true to the kawaii metal that's going on. Yeah. It's still not metal. It's kawaii. It's sure. It's not the metal aspect. It's not heavy. It's not doing more than just nodding to the rest of the album. But I guess I've heard enough of a cross-section of metal that metal going lighter is not super surprising for me. And considering what else they do... Them ending on this note is not uh, super crazy to me. I think that it, it's within the realm of what I would expect from them. Um, I guess I should lead us off into our final thoughts on this record. Because thank God I don't have to. I get to go last. Thank God I get to go last. You most certainly should, Matt. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I don't know what else I can really say in the wrap up. We were pretty articulate on what we liked and didn't like about this record. This record had a lot of face value. Like we we. While we may not have understood the meaning behind everything, what we got out of it we were pretty upfront about here. Which, considering how kind of lost we were swimming in the kind of bland that was last week, at least I'm I'm at least excited to be confronted with this very straightforward record. It's not trying to pull its punches, more or less. Meaning-wise, maybe a little bit, but that's literally lost in translation, not because of anything else. Um, but that said, I still don't know how I feel about the record. I mean, I compared it a lot to other, a few other foreign language metal acts that I've heard. Um, you know, and then we did a French record when we had Banda Magda, which was, you know, we didn't I understand any of the lyrics there either. Amortala. It's just. I think we had some translations. There a little. Uh, we also had Joe helping us. Cause, right. Cause uh, he, he was a German who spoke some French. But I think the thing about this record that interested me the most is that the the metal aspects of it reminds me of metal music I used to listen to a lot more. And the interesting things they did vocally drew me in, too, for different reasons. Um, straight up front, there's no denying the talents in this band. Um, the, instru- the instrumentation is interesting, engaging, and really cool at a lot of moments. Vocally, however, while I like the way they sing, I mean, I'm sure for J-pop, that I don't know a ton of it, for sure for pop music in general, their voices are not super unique. You know, I've heard voices like this before. They are good singers. They're really good singers. I just, they don't, they wouldn't stand out if it weren't for being in baby metal, which is probably why this exists. In fact, I'm confident that's why this exists. They probably grew up loving metal. They probably knew their voices were, you know, kind of within the, the, the swath of pop music. And so we're like, what can we do different? We really like metal. Let's sing like this, but to metal music. I and mean, honestly, it's a brilliant idea it, to at least individualize yourself. Um, this is my first experience with them. I'd probably go back and check out their first record. There are some things that are lacking here as far as individuality, again, for the way they sing and for some of the instrumentation. Talent aside, because again, great musicians. I just, still, there's stuff here, the first track, and a few others that I mentioned, I've heard before. Um, but I don't want to hurt it too much, because it's at least a unique idea. It's not 
never been done before, but it's unique at least in the plethora of straightforward metal, especially the metal that we tried to engage in, like Judas Priest and Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath was better, but Judas Priest was so ubiquitous and just a non-entity from one of one of the most talented vocalists in metal history. This is doing more than that did. And I think it's doing more for metal than that did because it's bringing in people who maybe wouldn't listen to a lot of the more aggressive screaming metal. Um, so that said, I think I would put this towards the upper echelon, but not, it's definitely above average for sure because of the talent alone and the unique way these singers use their voice, even though their voice isn't, aren't unique at face value. So what was the number? So I'm going to, I actually hadn't said yet. Um, oh, I thought I, I was it. stalling. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would give this an even four. Um, I don't think that this is breaking the mold as far as the individual pieces, but I think the things coming together is pushing it towards what could be the next big thing. I think that, especially, they're so young, and even if someone else is writing all of this for them, as they mature, their tone, their perspective is going to change completely, and I'm sure they, that that'll get written for, and that would be really interesting if they go through a more depressing phase and they do something kind of more goth rock or darker, more sinister, like, that would be really cool to hear these kinds of voices kind of doing what Di, Di did, where, you know, this bubblegum voice being really in your face and street and, like, you know, very aggressive. I think there's that kind of interesting concept here, too. So, even four for me. Um... All right, I think you've managed to turn me around on what I was poised to be a little harsher on, uh, and that was uh, starting with the vocals. Yeah, I, 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 it was hard to find what is specifically unique about them, because I've heard a lot of J-pop, and it doesn't really step outside that in any way. That's assuming you take the vocals as a completely separate thing, but I guess you can't really do that since it is baby metal and it's fused all the time with metal, or most of the time, 90-95% of the time. And I, I guess age really is a factor here, and I, I don't want to be too harsh on them for that reason. I think that alone, yeah, their vocals probably would they would have been thrust into that J-pop environment, and I think their vocals kind of fit it, but that's not the direction they're choosing. Um, they're choosing this direction, and given a few more years, I think that will probably blossom into something a lot more something a little more unique, something where their vocals get closer and closer to matching, or actually I don't want it to match metal, because then you have a whole other problem. I don't think I want it to match metal, I don't think I want it to match J-pop. I want it to match cis anger. That's yeah. what I want it to be. I want it to be something completely different, and that's the only track in this album that I could really say it, it really achieved that. But the rest of the time, you have to look at the talents in question. Um, when you're not just looking at, at the vocals alone, or some of the cool little things that they do and, and that were written for them, but uh, the rest of the time you have to look at the, the music itself. Kami Band and those members, ooh, good god, they're, they're insane. I wish that maybe there wasn't the presence of whoever is writing this music. And I, I don't know how much of a hand Kami Band had in that or the, the manufactured element that John mentioned. I, I believe that actually both elements, both Kami Band and the singers in question, would probably serve to do something a little more unique, a little more from the heart. In each case here, it seems this is always coming back to uh, creating a fully formed um, track, a fully formed, not radio-ready track, but something a little more digestible. In most cases. Obviously, that's not there on Tales of the Destinies. I mean, Tales of the Destinies is a whole different thing entirely. Yeah. So I guess, really, they could go in either direction. But I will tell you that the one problem with Tales of the Destinies is that the vocals are not an element. Yeah. Like, 
that is if they want to go in the whole Dragon Force thing. Yeah. But then I can't really say you, that that um, that Su- baby metal. Yeah, Su- Yui Su- Yui Yui Yui. are that, not gonna. Be yeah, that, they're yeah. not going to be there, and yeah, I don't yeah. think they're going to be a, a, a closely knit part of that. Maybe they could, but then they'd have to they'd have to really tweak it. So I, this is, I think this is inevitably going to land within the threes for me because I can't put it over a four for it not quite achieving uh, one or another thing in enough places. It's still uh, one thing is stronger here, another thing is stronger there. It's not the perfect blend. <sighs> Very challenging. But for the talent period, I have to at least put it high in the threes. This is a three point seven five because <laughs> those 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 drummers, <laughs> just because of those drummers. I, I, I up front, I really enjoyed listening to this album. It was one of the more pleasurable experiences I've gotten in the last uh, probably in the last few months. Like because it was so weird and oddball for my normal listening taste. Uh, so oddball for what I was trying, uh, like I what I seek out, and because the quality was there, because the craftsmanship was there in so many of the tracks, when it does fall flat for me, in eh, really the first the first track is really one of the flattest points for me. It it was it is something I just mm, I want to really critique, and there were a lot of critiques they had on this album when they went too heavily pop. Or too lightly pop, or too heavily metal, or too lightly metal. It's weird that the blend, the elements, yeah, some parts are great here, some parts are terrible there, but it's never the same parts that are great or terrible. It's I don't laud the, the drums throughout this album because at parts it, they just weren't there, but they were mostly great. I don't laud the guitar work or the vocal work throughout this album because they were only mostly great. But it, it, it's sort of weird to say the album is just mostly great. And I guess that does put me in the same sort of ballpark as Matt. I'm I'm pretty much at a four because there was a lot of great craftsmanship going on here. It's just definitely not an upper echelon. I don't I don't want to put it... I was just going to say, are you pretty much at a four or are you at a four? I'm explaining where I'm going got to it, be got at. Okay. And, You're and stalling. Why. No, no. It <laughs> okay. is a four. It is, okay. it is definitively a four. Okay, okay. But I want to explain why it's not less <laughs> or more than. Got it. It's not less than because the quality's there. Sure. It really could be something awesome. It could be something mind-blowing because we got tiny little hints of that mind-blowingness with the vocals in this track, with uh, percussion in that track, with, with guitar in this part and that part and so on and so forth. I'm not trying to drag you down, but I think tiny little hints is is not is not does not warrant. It doesn't warrant it in that range, only because my biggest problem above all is aesthetic. Like aesthetic, it still feels like they're kind of stuck in this 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 loop of music that has kind of been out for you know upwards of twenty years. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing that keeps it Quali- away from being five. And 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 quality puts it up absolutely because they're just doing it really well. And that's what keeps it at a four. The quality of it as a whole right. is just it's just great. With the really, really at the end of the day, it's that one little song in the beginning that that knocks the whole thing down for me. And for that, I'm not going to drop it from a four. The rest of it, I have my critiques, Fair but. Point. On the whole, it's still extremely enjoyable for the parts I don't like listening. Right. I, I didn't like. I just, wish, I, I just wish they had more moments, more moments on this album. I, I still feel like there are too many sections that, despite the quality, end up being kind of a whitewash. And it's a shame, because I can feel that everyone is trying really hard 
Yeah, I mean, I hear that. I think for me, the, the thing that also I really liked is I kind of cringed at doing baby metal originally because it was, you know, it was kind of ubiquitous here in like the cliche of pop culture. Oh, and baby I think metal. I made it. I yeah, think I, I made the it same, sound scary. I had the same like eye roll in the beginning. It's like, oh, we're doing this this week. Okay. I do want to talk about something uh, briefly before we call it a night um, or a day, depending on when you're listening. Um, I have a very specific feeling towards screaming in in heavier music, especially um, metal, hardcore, punk, punk. Yeah, uh, even pop has some. Um, it, it's and and there was a little bit on this record. We'll get to that. Um, no one tried to closely relate it because no, no, no. after all, it wouldn't be the primary vo- vocalist. It would be that those male gruff background yeah. singers. So this gruff singing. Um, the place I like it the most when there's constant screaming and gruff singing is in um, Death Clock in Metalocalypse, which is sort of a parody band, but also Brendan Small is an incredible musician, so it is actually really good, really well-made music. He, there's this kind of dark singing and then groaning and then screaming. That kind of gives an emotion and a cadence and an emphasis that I really enjoy. Whereas it's in not, a lot of hardcore bands... You get one line of... Yeah. And the inflection doesn't change throughout the entire thing because it's throat yelling. It's yeah. throat singing. You can't really change your inflection well, too well either. Throat, throat singing is something different. Well, yeah. Right. But in a lot of hardcore music, some of Slipknot is the one I would famously point out because like, Slipknot did a lot of screaming to singing... Um, but some of their later stuff, they just did a lot of screaming. I didn't enjoy because I feel like there's no, there's no break. Like it's just overwhelming. I, what I want to postulate and present to uh, us as a group is: Does screaming in music, in any way, add to the music? Take away from the music? Like for me, I've said before, brief screams or brief, brief yells or groans kind of add a punctuation to a line that's already sung, which I think is really interesting. Or again, it adds an emotional cadence. But I don't know. I mean, you know, do you think that screaming really is... Because it's it's not just in one genre. It's in a lot of places. Does it add to instrumentation and musicality, you know, the this, this structure of music as a whole? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll opine. Um, I, I'm on perhaps the opposite front of all this. Like, yeah. I, I, I haven't found as many redeeming factors in it as maybe you have. Uh, I was never really into, like, the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't really listen to a lot of that stuff. So that when I did hear it, uh, it, it, was, it was just funny. Yeah. That's like it just came across as comical. It was it never escaped the joke, and I I was yeah. never able to like graduate into seeing like ah artistic merit. I feel it. <laughs> I feel what you feel. I don't feel that way. And I'm not saying I don't get angry, but I don't get like that kind of <laughs> anger. That's 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 weird angry. That's that's overblown angry. So you feel like you can't relate to it. I yeah. I guess at the end and and I like heavier music as well, but just that specific speaking style. It just it it. Number one, it doesn't feel very musical, and it doesn't really seem to blend with every. It always seems like it's constantly in opposition with everything around it. Well, that's kind of the point for a lot of that style of music. It's supposed to be in opposition. Except that the effect is that it drowns out other things. It can be used positively for that. And I'm not going to cite examples because I don't think it can really be used that positively that often for (laughs) it. To drown it out really does hurt in my ears a lot of that sort of stuff but one of my favorite bands growing up and still one of my favorite bands for their older albums Disturbed yeah he used it sparingly or at least compared to a lot of bands first album there's a lot of oh ah." 
You know. Well, see, that's the whole thing. <laughs> he would go from a nice melodic phrase, a nice harmonized vocal pattern, into it. Yeah. Like down with the sickness. That song is. It's pretty powerful. It's, it's not just powerful. It's gorgeous yeah. to my ears because of how quickly he can go from pure singing to a nice high pitched, very gruff style, and it does drown out a lot of the backdrop. All right. Well, let's take but, another but, example. It's used in such a way to do that, to really get the importance of the words well, across. I have an mm. example of a band that we all like that we could cite Screaming Where It Does Work, and that is System of the Down. System of the Down, the song Sugar, the screaming in those moments are supposed to yeah. convey intense emotion, and then it makes when he goes sugar almost comical because of the dichotomy between the two. And it, and that in that point, the scream do does add to the heavy yeah. percussion. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because when it comes to System of a Down, I I feel like that is more of a it's more of lung power at play and less sure. of the. I think we're talking about, we keep saying screaming, but I feel like more you, what I was thinking of when Growling, you brought this up was a growl. growl. Okay, and I feel point. like uh, Serge Tankin doesn't really do that as much. Maybe he has, and, and I don't. I feel like I would equally be a little oppo- opposed to it, but, right. but for the most part, he's using, he's like reaching deep down from the bowels of his lungs. Stuff, it's yeah. very guttural, and it, 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 it gives his voice a very unique timbre, but also he he sings during those oh, spells. Yeah. There's vibrato there, you know? It, it's, it, I, I, I don't really see it in the same ballpark at all. But, I, I, um, I think you're speaking to what I said, though, on the arc of it that I do like, is when it tends to mix with other stuff, it's not just guttural groans or screaming, there's more to it because it's integrated more. Like with System of Down, it's integrated into other things. It's not just guttural noise. Let me just uh, bring up another example where I feel it it uh, fails to my ears, but it's different from from what I described before. Okay. Uh, like one reason bef- I described is because it drowns other things out. Right. But I, truthfully, I, I can recall a lot of uh, screaming or growling segments where it would occur over... Um, whether it's the chorus or the bridge, it's tough to say. But it would be actually a section of the track where really all you have in the background are benign figures. Things that you can't really drown out. Things like, you know, just the, the drumming, you know, going a mile a minute. You know, over and over and over. And meanwhile, you have this this consistent growl over it, which I guess I could concede that from someone else's perspective this this bolsters you know, or they bolster each other interchangeably and i'd say all right well i won't argue with on that point but i would say that for the duration of these segments i consider them almost non-segments like they don't really push the song any further it's almost like they've put the song on hold and you're listening to to white noise like actual right. white noise for however long it takes for that segment to to complete itself and I don't really know the function that it serves. It just, it, for me, it's kind of like, well, I'm waiting around for content to begin again. No, it's, it's like, it's it's time filler. It's it's not, no, no, no. It's just to, to provoke. I'm on the biased primal, side of this argument. I, it's I to admit. provoke primal feelings. It's to pr- yeah. try yes, to really yes. get into the, yeah. the creature in man, into that fight or flight response area of man to really get your heart racing or something like that. It's like a heavy percussion yeah. chord or a think of a, yeah, but a good man, example of man what it's trying doesn't to do. growl. Like even no, when we were no, primal, man we does don't growl. Really do man that. does feel that kind of rage and and in in them and it may I, be a mental I, growl. I can't but even it does see exist. that coming that sound coming out of nature. 
Well, I, okay, okay. It's not it's our nature, weird. at least. It's Despite that we weird. are on the top of the food chain, I still don't think we would make that noise at another creature. It, think about uh, the opening to Seven Nation Army, and just isolate in your mind that that drum, right. that tun 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 tun. It's trying to evoke that same sort of feel that that a percussion line like that is is evoking. It's trying to hit primal. It's trying to hit. The, the the subconscious as opposed to the conscious line. I understand that. I'm still on board with you in that I'm not really fans of that sort of a feel, but I understand what it's approaching, what it's trying to do. I think when it's used in specific moments to emphasize a certain emotion, I'm on board more than when it's just constant throughout a song. Because then when you do anything like that constant, it becomes ubiquity, it becomes white right. noise. Um, I, I will say though, I think that I disagree with Steve that that's not a natural noise. I know that I've gotten, and it could just be the difference of Steve's angry versus my angry, and that's fine. <laughs> if I, I heard it from you, I'd crack up. Well, <laughs> see, but no I would, ne but you never would, because I don't get that angry in the presence of another human being. The, the problem is to get angry enough to scream or yell or to just curse. I would, I've, I have personally only done in the privacy of my own home when I'm allowed, alone, or like in a car, just to get that noise, that aggression out, and vent. Beyond that, I have not really ever done it. Ne I would never do it to another person. I've I never I, yelled I or growled at another person. Might have done it in the in the privacy of of like the car or something like that. But I think it's just, I think it's just me being silly, making noises. Like it doesn't come out of anger. Oh no no no! I can speak from personal experience. I've done the same thing. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's at that point a different emotional perspective. I would be a fly on the wall and see you you guys do that. I just. Eh. I don't, I don't, I don't see it personally. I think that actually it's so unnatural to me, and I've never heard anyone actually make that sound in in, in public period, um, and actually mean it and expect to be taken seriously. That I I would say, and this is a little bit of a uh, an olive branch here, that it, it at least could fall into the category of instrumentation. Like yeah. I don't feel the human being in it. Therefore, once you edit out the human being, you're left with an instrument. Well, but it's then, it's, but then it be. becomes a cliched instrument, like, you know, enter, no, 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 enter no. kazoo. That's the whole thing. It's not supposed to necessarily be a person. It's supposed to just be provocative. Yeah, it's That's supposed to it be is. like... Just provocative. Yes, like a like a even dark, when they're actually saying content, it's, a caricature of exactly. a person. Exactly, yeah, it's I, supposed to not be a normal man. And but also, then all I see is a bunch of cheesy stories where you know the 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 demon came out. It's like it's like the worst in your in your favorite series. It's like the worst episode that you wish didn't well, exist. I think for me, the way I would defend it is I would say that's because you're looking at it as a reaction to someone, and it's supposed to be for two people. A lot of this, the screaming or the guttural noises that I've heard that have worked is when it's for a song that feels internalized. And that's what I was talking about. When it's a personal moment where I scream on my own or I yell on my own because I'm frustrated and I just want to vent, it's internalized that I'm doing it outside. It's, but it's, in, it's I'm directed inward towards me to kind of a cycle of venting. And I think when songs do that, it's someone so frustrated with something else or someone else that they're being aggressive in a private way in, with their internal monologue. Well, then that's just the problem, because if the point is, of course, to make your listener feel that, and I'm explaining exactly how it instead instilled the opposite reaction in me, which is to laugh out loud um, and not take your music seriously, then that's the failure, to me at least, right. because that's how I take it. And I hear that. I think... It I'll... just works with a lot of other people. <laughs> Apparently I mean, it does. Because it wouldn't exist... What's... 
What's wrong, Steve? What's wrong with you, Steve? Why, why don't you Why do I got to be different? Why do you got to be different? I don't know. You're a bunch of clones. How about that? <laughs> wow. Harsh. No. Well, actually, <laughs> we've already discussed Matt's got five different personalities going on That's right true. now. That's I mean, yeah. true. I mean, I could be anybody. That's problematic. Like, I don't even know anymore. I, I could be anybody. You got to get that checked. Here's, yeah, here's, a, here's a number. Yeah, I'll have. I'll, I'll, I'll turn into Zephoid Beetlebrot, and like another head's going to pop out under my head that I already have yeah. with a different we, personality. That is a hard reference for many people to get unless they are thoroughly entrenched within that universe. That's very true. Yeah. Um, that was a good topic. We got personal. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's start wrapping up. Let's uh, talk a little uh, spam since I assume there's no fan mail. No, we got spam. Um, did your blog lose rank during the Google update? That's it? That's it. Did we lose rank? Was there a Google update? No, I'm pretty sure there know. wasn't a Google update. They really haven't talked about anything about... Who does, wrote us? Does this? Google tell us when they update? No. No. <laughs> they don't tell anybody. They, no, just they do. do stuff. They do. They change their metrics, and they do hint about it, but they're very quiet I mean, about their Google metrics themselves. They're very quiet about their metrics. But I'm curious as to why they think there was a rank for us to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that That's was from it. SEO VBS. All right. C-O vowels. Don't C-O. There's, there's no, only stop. one vowel and a lot of consonants that don't work well together. I would think it would actually have to do with SEO since that's the the, uh, the thing. But yeah. why is it one word? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Spam bots aren't made for logic. <laughs> no, they're made purely for logic. They're not made they for... They should at least have names. That's right? like, you know. They're not made for conversation. <laughs> that's true. There's a difference. <laughs> um, for our album next week, we are actually going to take on something that was brought up, uh, a selection of two by our old friend Jose, a.k.a. Knockjaw. Um, he recommended two records to us, and we and asked for us to pick one, and so we have decided we have dropped the hammer, Jose. Um, based on... Your influence a little bit too, since you had said you had a preference for it. We decided to lean towards that, and we are doing your recommendation for us. Everything you've come to expect by the Last Shadow Puppets. I'm excited to hear this because apparently it's sort of Bowie influenced, which um, is cool. Maybe, maybe, maybe. A I don't little... know quite. Sure. I'm, I'm actually. I, I was doing a little more research, and it may have been an earlier project by them that was Bowie influenced. Got, gotcha. But I, I think Alex Turner. Period was probably Bowie influenced. Um, and, and it is, that, is, is another Monkeys, Al, so. Al, yeah, Alex Turner project, and we've done him in a couple things now. Yeah. And uh, it was originally in AM by Arctic Monkeys, episode 66, and then he was at least featured in uh, um, The Great Pretenders yeah. by Minnie Mansions, on episode one 158. Yeah. So we're we're tackling him again. I mean, at this point, we're catching him up to Damon Alburn, who is only three times featured on this podcast. Oh, right. twice. Oh, no, no, just twice, because you haven't gotten that new Gorillaz record yet. And actually, would have um, would have beaten if you're just counting a member of Arctic Monkeys, That's because true. we just had that last week. In oh, the right, of, of the Iggy Pop, Pop record, yeah, the, the drummer. That's right. Wow. Good job, Arctic Monkeys. You got out there. You did. They need our confirmation. Got for their sure. thumbs and a lot of pies. Um, so. Whether you're Jose or not, please turn, tune in next week and hear us chat about that record. I'm actually really interested. I like when we take on a band that I've not heard of. I, as much as I like doing stuff that I'm familiar with, I, I like diving into new things because, A, it expands the breadth of what I listen to, and, B, sometimes we find some really unique and fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to doing that next week. Also, it's always fun to get the listener dialogue going, which is, which, which is always a treat. So we'll see you guys next week. We'll take that on. And remember, as always, music is life. And, and life, life is, is good. good. If you enjoyed this and other album analyses, topics, and guests, please subscribe to the Crash Chords Podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. For more media, also subscribe to Matt's one-on-one interview series, Crash Chords Autographs. 
To receive emails on all new content, subscribe at the top of our homepage. Also receive updates by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. And remember, keep the discussion going, because music is life, and life is good. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to share them in the comment board below each post. Otherwise, email us directly at admin at crashchords.com.